What's going on, guys? You are listening to Sports Saturday on WZBC 90.3 FM radio. My name is Joey Mayalari, and I'm a junior from South Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, and my friend Zach and I have a weekly segment called The Playbook every single Wednesday night from 7 8 p.m. on WZBC AM Sports Radio. Um, just to start, my favorite sports teams are the Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, and even though I am from Boston, and it may be hard to believe, I'm a New York Giants fan. Hey guys, my name is Zach Cruz, and I'm a junior at BC. I'm from Andover, Mass. I'm a fan of all Boston sports teams, especially the Celtics and the Pats. We're really pumped to be here on the FM radio today and share our thoughts in the sports world with a greater network. Uh, and this afternoon, we're going to uh, start out by discussing BC football's upcoming bowl game against East Carolina. And then we're also going to start moving into BC basketball, the Celtics, the Bruins. And by the end, we're going to be giving some predictions and hot takes. Looking forward to the hot takes. Um, we'll definitely have a ton of time uh, since we're on here from 1 to 3. Um, so we'll definitely have a ton of time for call-ins. Uh, so whenever we have a good time, uh, please let us uh, give us uh, our phone number. We'll give you it, and uh, you can call in and give us a text and tell us you want to join. Um, we were informed, though, that our phone in the studio um, is actually not working over air. So we'll do what we always do on the AM segment uh, where you text me at 617-596-3150. Let me know you want to come on. Um, and then we can have you guys call in like we do Absolutely. in the AM. So yeah. I'll repeat the number again, uh, 617-596-3150. Please just give us a text beforehand, and we'd love to have you come on. So we'll definitely have a ton of time, probably like 45 mm-hmm. minutes for call in. So definitely, call in. Yeah, um, yeah so we're pumped to get going. So uh, BC football, it was announced last week that they'll be playing in the Military Bowl against um, East Carolina University in Annapolis. It should be a good game. Um, you know, really cool to get to play in the Navy Stadium, get to you know travel to a game, especially when it was rumored that you know the team was going to be playing in the Fenway Bowl against a team like UCF or something. Um, yeah. Which, my in my eyes, is a you know more of a prestigious bowl game. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's better for the team that they get to go. You know, take a trip. Um, you know, that's kind of part of what bowls are about for the team. Um, you know, just getting to celebrate with their families and everything. Um, so you know, I'm excited to see the game. East Carolina was 7-5 and five this year. Um, they hung in some close games. They played Cincinnati towards the end of the year, and they played them pretty tough. Um, so, you know, I think it should be a good matchup. Obviously, they got BC coming out in the end. I think we got more talent than they did, to be honest. Um, even though we've really struggled the last few games, um, you know, I still think, you know, you got Dracovic. He's getting more and more healthy every game. He's starting to look better. Um, you know, most of the guys are still here. I think I haven't heard of anyone yet that's taken plans to uh, not play in the bowl game. Um, yeah, the team so far. So aside from the guys in the transfer portal, yes. Besides those, yeah, I think everyone will be locked in. Uh, it's obviously a big game for BC. I was hoping it was the Fenway Bowl. Actually, I know a lot of people didn't want it to be the Fenway Bowl um, because it was too close and everything. But I thought it would have been really cool them playing the Fenway. I mean, I definitely would have mm. went there. It would have been great for the fans. I think college football would have made a lot more money. The NCAA would have made a lot more money if it was at Fenway. I mean, no one's going to really care about Virginia and SMU as much. But uh, mm. you know, what can you do? Uh, but about the BC game versus East Carolina. East Carolina had a solid season. Um, they were seven and five. Um, Holton Allers, their starting quarterback, is um, a senior, and uh, he had a solid season: eighteen touchdowns and ten picks. He's actually started all four years there, actually, um, which is pretty cool. That you know, they're a smaller school has a guy start four years. Usually, they have guys that transfer in, and you know, like Appalachian State had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Duke's old quarterback transfer in, the one that went to Clemson. Uh, had him transfer in and, and play. So I know a lot of small schools usually recruit a bigger school guy that couldn't play, at, let's say, in Ohio State or Clemson. Um, but it's pretty cool that East Carolina had a guy start off four years. Um, so BC, love uh, their hands full with that uh, quarterback. And then also Keaton Mitchell, their running back, uh, has, had a, has had a solid season, 174 carries for uh, over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, he also can catch some passes. He had 12 catches on the year, 22 catches on the year, actually. Mm-hmm. So 
BC will have to yeah, he's uh, dynamic. Obviously, the defense will have to be ready for um, passes out of the backfield, which is something you always have to pay attention to in the ACC. But in a bowl game, especially um, since this is one and done, obviously it's a big thing to win for your school, get publicity. Mm-hmm. They also get money, obviously, if they win. So it'll be a big matchup mm-hmm. for BC, of course. Yeah, big game for the program too. It's good that we have a lot of guys coming back from injury too. Um, you know, we started to see some guys come back more towards the end of the year. Um, obviously, Dracovic coming back. Um, you know, IGM, Trey Berry, um, you know, Trey Berry will definitely be playing, um, which does make a big impact on the offense, obviously. It kind of opens up the passing game for Jakovic. Um, You know, Zay Flowers will be in there as he's been all year. Um, you know, it's great to have, you know, our star QB thrown to him again. Um, so, you know, I think it should be a good matchup, you know, what you were saying with their QB. Yeah, he's explosive, and he could cause us issues because he can move a little bit too, and, you know, this defense isn't really built to stop a mobile quarterback. Um, we kind of struggled with that earlier this year and you know, games like Louisville and uh Syracuse, we had issues with that. Um, but, you know, I still got BC on top. Just I think our offense is too explosive. And, you know, looking at Eastern Carolina's previous scores, you know, Cincinnati 35-13. You know, Cincinnati's a great team, but uh, Eastern Carolina played them tough. Um, but, you know, the week before that, they edged out a win over Navy, who's had a tough year, 38-35. Um, Memphis, they had a close one against solid. USF, they beat. Um, you know, they're not a bad team. I don't think they should be overlooked. Um, the spread's currently minus 3.5 for BC. Um, I think BC will win by a little more than that, personally. Um, you know, just the way our defense kind of stepped up towards the end of the year. The way Forest game was different with the whole team having the flu. Um, but besides that, the second half of that Florida State game, um, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, all four of our last games were all, you know, defense was pretty much locked down. Um, and offense looked solid, you know, at least in the second half of most of those games. Um, so, you know, hopefully... We start playing like the way we were in some of those games, like Georgia Tech, and you know I think this game should be ours. Uh, if I had to pick a final score, I'm gonna go 34-27 BC. How about you? Um, I the tough thing is though East Carolina can't score points. Um, they actually beat Temple 45 to three, and BC beat them 28-3. I know Grossell was a the quarterback then. Give and take. I mean, they still scored 45 points. Um, uh, the defense, you know, is very comparable to BC. Um, they've given up 394 actually a game. BC is 343 yards, so very similar um, within that aspect. But uh, BC actually has 80 less yards of offense per game. Uh, I'm sure the last two games BC's had against Wake Forest and Florida State definitely contributes to our yards average being low um, with how bad we actually performed against Wake. Um, it'll mm-hmm. be a big game, obviously. Yeah, I think that, Phil, that game was a special case. I think the big question is Phil, actually. Um, I don't think his wrist is healthy. Um, and, and a lot of those throws against Wake Forest, I mean, we were lucky to even complete what do you complete three passes? I think we were even lucky to complete that. Um, I yeah, think he's passes. the biggest question. Um, I do think he's still hurt. Um, I do think we. He's getting healthier though. You can kind of see it a little bit. Oh, that weight game. He's still got that running He's game. lucky he's got a month until because it was you know November twenty seventh. The whole team had the flu. They never announced who was who, but I think he probably had it the way he looked out there. He was very sluggish. He couldn't make the throw. I mean, I think it was his. It was his hand. I don't even think it was a, an, an illness, but. Give and take. Um, I think it'll be a big game for BC. Obviously, uh, BC is actually favored by three right now. Um, East Carolina, yeah, had a solid season. Um, as I said, they beat Temple by 42, could score points. Um, and also Mitchell, their running back, had a solid season as well. So BC has struggled, uh, uh, you know, with their run defense at times. Um, as you, as we've seen mm-hmm. with mobile Absolutely, quarterbacks yeah. too, they've definitely struggled. But uh, if I did have a prediction, I'm going to go BC 24. East Carolina 23. I think BC wow. wins. Close right. one on a field goal at the end uh, is my prediction. So I think it'll be a good game, go. though. 12, uh, you know, December 27th, 2.30 game. I was hoping to be the Fenway one, as I said. Um, I think it would have been a little bit more 
uh, interesting. It's something to look forward to more than having it be in Annapolis where you're not going to get fans from BC or East Carolina, probably. Same thing mm-hmm. with in Boston. You're not going to get Virginia fans. You never know. Like There's a would. big uh, BC alumni base in Boston. Some, a lot of the players are actually from the I mean, you'll have some that go. Area. I'm just saying you'd have a lot more that would go to the Fenway Bowl. Oh, just like, I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, East Carolina would probably have more if it was close to, to them. And mm-hmm. same thing with Pitts, uh, not Pittsburgh. Uh, same thing with uh, SMU and Virginia. They would have also you know, more people go if it was maybe closer to, mm-hmm. to where they are. So From the perspective of the Fenway Bowl, though, if you know you kind of want it to blow up, you don't want it to be known as the place just to dump BC every year. Um, uh, you, know, you want it to be, cool, like, though. a think, solid ACC team. I think it'd be um, cool. You know, with BC only being 6-6 six and six this year, as much as I think it would be cool. Um, you know, I wish it was at Fenway, too, just as a fan, you know, being able to go see that game, uh, being close. Um, I still think it's cooler just getting to go to Annapolis and experience that trip. Um, and for the Fenway Bowl, too, just not to be known as the place to dump BC every year. Because I think it'd be cool to be in the Fenway Bowl once or twice, but I definitely wouldn't want it to be a place where BC just kind of gets tossed in every year, regardless of if we're 6-6 six and six or 9-3. and three. I don't think they'd ever repeat it. Typically, you're in a bowl game, they don't you know throw you back in that same one. Um, if BC was in this year, I don't think they'd probably be in it for another three, four, five years. And that's if it even stays. I mean, who knows if it'll be a bowl game, depending on you know how much money Fenway makes and everything. I'm sure John Henry and... The Fenway Sports Group would be checking the numbers, making sure they're making money off it. Because if they're not profiting, they won't do it again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they better be making money if they want to keep it going. Um, but, yeah, I want it to be a Fenway, but uh, what can you do at the end of the day? I think it will be a good game regardless. But from a fan's perspective, as you said, I would have loved to have gone. But uh, we'll see how it mm-hmm. goes. It'll be a big game. I think Phil Jacob is the biggest question mark, as I said. Um, his wrist is clearly still not healthy. Uh, we rushed him back for sure. I mean, he hasn't really had a good game besides that Georgia Tech game. He looked good in the Georgia Tech game. So. But yeah, they give up 500 yards on, on defensive games, so I think that might have played a role as well. He was running all over them too. And that's another thing. Yeah, he's been running clearly. Player of the week. He's got. He's, I think the wrist injury is still a thing since he's been running a ton. He didn't run really too much earlier in the year. I think like 12 times in the first three games, if I remember my stat from uh, Week Five's uh, episode of the playbook. But mm-hmm. I think he's ran. I think he ran like 10 times last game. Something crazy. Uh, Let's see. 11 our, rushes last our game. Our O-line had a tough game last game. He only ripped off one that. good run. Um, he had 28 the rushes O-line in the last didn't look great games. the last game against Wake. Um, and I think that, that that's a recipe to actually get him hurt, too. I wouldn't be running him that much, but uh, that's mm-hmm. just me. It all depends on the team he faced. I think East Carolina, he should have an easier time running. Um, but our O-line against Wake was just mismatched. You could see that in the Florida State game, too, especially the first half. It was just awful. Phil got hit probably 15 times. Um, we saw it in the Syracuse game, too, when Grossell and Emmett Moorhead were in. They were just getting drilled every play. Um, couple of line, backup O-line out there when uh, Tyler Vrabel was out. Um, you know, it was every other play we were getting pressured. Um, you know, they had to force out a bad throw every other play. Um, so, no, I think that's one of the biggest questions coming into this game for me, too, is, you know, what is the O-line going to look like? Coming into the year, they're rated one of the top O-lines in the country. Um, saying, you know, they have five future NFL guys out there. Um, obviously, we got two right now, Zion Johnson and Alec Lindstrom, who are going to go this year, um, which I'm pumped to see. Uh, but, you know, it's been so inconsistent this year because that Syracuse game, Florida State, Wake Forest, you know, they got dominated out there, to be honest. Um, and then there's other games that we've seen, like the Missouri game, they were killing it out there when Garwo rushed for, you know, however many yards it was, around 150. Um, that was great to see. So, you know, I think that's the biggest um, factor in whether or not we win this game is how we pl- uh, play in the trenches. Yeah, and I think Holton Allers, um East Carolina's quarterback, uh, he does move pretty well. Um, only 199 rush yards in the year uh, on 116 attempts, but he did have six touchdowns um, and also had a receiving touchdown. So I guess you got to be ready for a trick play. He's also punted twice in the last two years. So I guess uh, sometimes he does a drop back and, and will punt, obviously, without BC being ready. If it's like a third and 25 and they know they can't get it, they try to stunt. And uh, obviously run a punt when BC wouldn't be ready for it. 
uh, just to try to gain some yards back. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, it'll be a big game for BC. Um, he actually had 592 rush yards his freshman year and then 359 um, his sophomore year, and then the last two years, 109 and 199 on the ground. So he lost some of his running ability for yards, but he has had six touchdowns, six touchdowns, one touchdown, six touchdowns rushing. So uh, 19 mm-hmm. in four years is pretty solid for a guy that you know doesn't have too many yards. He's averaged 3.2 yards a carry. Yeah, that's um, not bad at all. 19, 19 rushing touchdowns is great. So if he's getting we'll in the end zone, see how it goes. Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, t- touchdowns a touchdown at the end of the day. Um, and also, I mean, he had a receiving touchdown this year too. So I guess BC's got to be ready for an end around. I don't know what the play was. I didn't see it. I'm just checking his stats. So BC probably mm. have to be ready for an end around. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna be mixing it up. Double on pass. Us. We've had an issue with some of those uh, this year. You know, running backs just bursting off, or um, you know, kind of trick plays where you know, like they pitch to a guy and then. You know, he takes off on the outside and gets 30, 40 yards. Um, we've seen a few of those this year. So I, another one, uh, my defensive key to this game, at least, I know I just talked about the O-line, um, you know, limiting those big plays. And that's kind of something that Halfley preaches is, you know, bringing your defensive backs and keeping everything in front of them, um, you know, allowing those short throws and letting them get over the middle. But don't let them go deep on anything. Um, limit those explosive plays, which I think we've seen this year. You know, we've had, I think it was the number six passing, off, uh, passing defense in the country this year. Um, before the weight game, at least, um, which was great to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I really think that's halfway, totally. Um, Everything he's brought in, everything he's preached, um, he is one of the better defensive coaches in the NCAA, definitely, I think, um, just schematically. And, you know, you can really see it in the way we've guarded um, the deep ball this year. So, um, you know, if all that holds up and, you know, we limit some of their big-time plays from East Carolina, I think we shouldn't have any problem winning this game. Um, yeah, just to highlight some East Carolina's wideouts, um, they actually have a five foot seven um, fourth year wideout, Tyler Sneed, who's their leading receiver. He had uh, 67 receptions for 860 yards and four touchdowns this year. So, I guess got to be uh, ready for him. Five seven, you might look at a height advantage and think, you know, he's not great, but 68 catches in 12 games is great. Um, mm-hmm. And then also uh, a couple other guys, um, Ryan Jones had five touchdowns on the year. He actually led them in receiving touchdowns, 442 receiving yards. So. It's another guy to watch out for. I think the running game is what I would worry more about. Um, as I said, Keaton Mitchell had 1,100 uh, rushing yards and nine touchdowns on the year running, and then also can catch as well. So be ready uh, for plays out of the backfields. Obviously, be ready for trick plays. I mean, hey, they've run a few now already. So be ready for anything, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, and Tyra mm-hmm. Sneed actually threw three passes this year. Um, that wide receiver, I was just talking about the 5-7 wideout. Yep. Threw three passes, five completions, and had, uh, I mean, five attempts, so three out of five. And had two touchdowns passing, 102 yards too. So hey, I guess they could do watch it all. Out for that, yeah. So yeah, I guess get ready for a trick play. That could be a hot take later on in the episode. They could run a trick play. I guess mm-hmm. they could. I mean, I mean, yeah, if he's two, got two, two passing touchdowns there. in the year, yeah, you never exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I guess it'd be pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. Speaking of college football, though, there's a uh, the big Heisman show coming up tonight. Um, you know, a lot of solid finalists in my opinion. Uh, Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that could win this thing. Um, my personal take is Bryce Young. Uh, he's been stellar all year. I think. The way he played in that Georgia game really sealed the deal. Um, you know, him throwing 60%, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions against the top defense in the country. Um, everyone's saying Bama was done this year. Georgia's going to take this game and, um, you know, run away with the college football playoff. But Bama hung in there tough. They, you know, dominated Georgia, it felt like, on both sides of the ball and came away with a 41-24 win. And I think those 41 points, you know, you can directly attribute to Bryce Young. The way Bama's been playing this year without Najee Harris anymore, um, they have such a pass-heavy offense, and even without Mechie coming up, um, you know, I still think they're by far and away the most dominant offense in the NCAA. Uh, Bryce Young last week against Georgia, as I mentioned, throwing for 
60% three touchdowns. Um, he threw for 421 yards as well. So, you know, he really was the biggest difference maker right there. Um, and then the game before that, too, Auburn, they almost lost. They were down 10-3 at the end of the fourth quarter, ended up forcing OT. Um, you know, Bryce Young had that stellar throw. I think it was on third or fourth down. Um, you know, I think that was kind of his Heisman moment. Um, that kind of sealed the deal for him. Because before that, I was a fan of Kenny Pickett, actually. I thought he's been great all year. And then you saw that fake slide. Um, that could be his moment, too. Um, you know, in that game against Wake Forest, Kenny Pickett looked great all year. One of the best touchdown and interception ratios ever. Um, so he would be my backup pick. But I think there's no way he can give this award to anyone but Bryce Young just because of the stellar way he's finished this season um, and the way he's kind of carried Bama to this elite level of play and bringing them all the way up to the number one seed after, um, you know, losing to Texas A&M about a month and a half ago. Um, ever since that, he's been elite. Um, you know, everyone's counting that team out, and he really brought them back into where they are now. Um, and the way he's played all year, you know, 4,300 yards in the season, 43 touchdowns and four picks, um, you know, throwing 68%. And these are SEC teams he's going against too. So, um, you know, doing that against that level of defense. Kenny Pickett has, you know, great stats as well, but just the level of competition that Bryce Young has gone up against, and then to do that against uh, Georgia last week, uh, throwing 400 yards, I don't think there's any other case he can make for Heisman. Um, yeah, for the sake of an argument, I guess I would obviously uh, agree with Bryce Young, but for the sake of an argument, I think I'll go. Kenny Pickett had a great season, uh, 42 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, had five rushing touchdowns as well. He's a big reason they made it uh, uh, into the college football, uh, not the college football playoff. That's Aiden Hutchinson, I was going to mention. But mm-hmm. they made the ACC championship, obviously, in one uh, because of Kenny Pickett's uh, play. 42 touchdowns is unreal. And also, the last three years, I mean, he had 12 touchdowns, 13, and 13. And then all of a sudden this year, he bursts off to 40, into, you know, Heisman range with 42 touchdowns, which is crazy. But I think I'm going to roll um, with Aiden Hutchinson as um, a dark horse uh, Heisman candidate. That's a hot I think take. It's a hot take. I would go Kenny Pickett, but I like the sake of an underdog. Um, 14 sacks this year was uh, good to be good enough to be third in college football. Um, had a great season, looking like a top three pick. Um, who knows? Maybe the Giants will get him. Um, but a senior defensive lineman, 14 sacks, 15 and a half tackles for a loss. He's a big reason Michigan is in the college football playoffs. Um, and he's been stellar all year. I mean, he's missed all last season for the most part. Only played two games. I know he struggled with injuries. So him being able to play a full season, have 14 sacks is a big reason for Michigan's success. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Pickett were to win um, with the 47 touchdowns he had uh, from the line of scrimmage, which were elite uh, numbers, obviously, the whole season. Um, and 4,319 passing yards is unreal in 13 games, too. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if he were to get it, too. But I think I'll be rooting for Aiden Hutchinson. I'll pick Pickett for okay. the sake of this, but I'm going to root for Hutchinson to get mm-hmm. it just because I'd like a defensive player to get it since it doesn't right, really I happen like too often. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to see a defensive player win, too. I thought the biggest question mark when the he- uh, Heisman finalists came out, uh, you know, with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Pickett, and Hutchinson was, you know, Will Anderson, the Alabama linebacker, getting off the list. Yeah, um, I thought he was the best uh, defensive player in the country, and you know he's been—he's really kept that Alabama defense together all year. Finished the year with 15 and a half sacks, uh, 91 tackles, just an absolute animal out there. Um, you know he's been so good in some of these games. Uh, six tackles and a sack against Georgia. Um, you know and that O line too is—you know—that's that's a tough O line to shred through. Um, you know he's really been—you know—a key cog in that Alabama defense this year. So. Um, I know a lot of uh, national reporters, too, are calling for that. You know, where is Will Anderson at on this list? Because um, I think, I mean, him and Hutchinson are both great players, and I wouldn't be mad to see either of them win. Um, but, you know, keeping, honestly, keeping a guy like C.J. Stroud, who he played well this year, but, you know, he's only, you know, he, C.J. Stroud's got another year in college football, and 
Will Anderson, um, although he does too, um, it didn't really feel like Stroud's year to me. Um, you know, losing that tough game to Michigan, just ending on that note kind of sealed the deal for me. Um, you know, especially when you had guys like Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett delivering, you know, those unbelievable performances in their conference championship games. Um, you know, Heisman is typically a QB award, so I guess I get it. Um, but I do think Will Anderson was definitely more deserving to be on that finalist list over um, C.J. Stroud. And I really do think he would have a legit shot to win it if he was out there. A lot of Bama guys calling for that, too. Uh, Will Anderson should be out there. Yeah, um, he really I, deserved it. I agree he should have been out there, at least named. I mean, I know they only named four guys, so it's tough to be on that list. Just being considered even as a fifth um, is an honor on its own because you think the amount of plays mm-hmm. playing college Didn't football. Didn't they have five last year? Um, it's typically four um, for the most part, but they might have had five last year. I think it's usually four, though. Um, but either way, regardless, um, I'll be rooting for Aiden Hutchinson to win, as I said, since defensive players never really get um, as much shine, especially as a Heisman Trophy candidate in general. It's usually always quarterbacks and some wide receiver or running back that had a great year. It's usually never a defensive player. So um, I'm happy mm-hmm. he's on the list. Um, Kenny Pickett, I do think, uh, makes a strong case, as I said. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that fake slide just because I think it sets a double standard where um, a defensive player can't obviously hit you if you slide, but then if you do a fake slide, they can't even gesture at you know, hitting you because if you were to slide, then it's a 15-yard penalty in the targeting call. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan yeah, of that, that play by him. So, And I also don't like his you know, tweet or his Instagram post after saying he changed the game. I, you know, I, I think he has some cockiness to him because of that. that uh, maybe odd. the numbers are getting to him a little bit, um, which I know the Giants actually, some Giants fans wanted to draft him, which I wouldn't have any problem drafting him. Um, I'll get into the show later about my hot takes with the Giants um, as I'm a big fan of Daniel Jones. But um, I wasn't a big fan of that fake slide, but I do think he makes a great case of winning the Heisman uh, Trophy, um, as we've highlighted. Um, but I do think Bryce Young is the best chance, as we've said. But I'm going to mm. root for Hutchinson, and I'm going to pick Pickett. Uh, for the All sake right. of this. That's fair. Uh, looking at the odds right now, too, Bryce Young minus 4,000. That's, you know, that's overwhelming. Uh, you know, I don't even think I'd put money on that just because, you know, what are you going to make? Put down 100 bucks, make like 10 cents. Something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I do agree with what you said. I really like that Aiden Hutchinson out there, and I think it'd be really cool. He'd be actually the first defensive player since 1997 to win that award, last being Charles Woodson, um, who also went to Michigan. Um, you know, he's been great all year, the 13 and a half sacks, um, you know, the Wolverines had one of the best defenses in the Big Ten and in the country, and uh, that really came to light in the game against Ohio State. Um, they really dominated defensively that game, I thought. Um, so it really would be cool to see. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, you really can't bet against Bryce Young. Um, just the way he played against Georgia and then that throw against Auburn the game before. Um, you know, Keeping Bama at 12-1 and right now, the number one team in the country, I don't think there's any other way you can go. Um, so you know, it really would be cool to see. Um, you know, keeping the trophy at Bama a year after Devontae Smith won last year, um, who I thought was an underdog last year, too. I was really happy when Devontae Smith won that award last year. Um, you know, I think they're not uh, you know, I think there's less pressure this year to pick a QB or to not pick a QB after Devontae Smith won last year for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see that. Um, looking forward to that tonight. Definitely. I could have been Najee last year. I could have been Mac Jones, but they had three guys in the top four, I think, listed last year. At least maybe two. Yeah, they, they had Mac Jones and uh, Devontae Smith. Najee was just left Najee off. Was Same just with left off. Okay. So, yeah, he's a It was uh, one, Mac but... Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Devontae Smith, Kyle Trask. Yeah. And then there was Kyle Pitts and Najee, too, who were right there. Yeah, they were left four, which is tough. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough to even get one guy on there. So, having two from Alabama is pretty cool. Um, and then obviously, have another one this year. It just shows how good they mm-hmm. are. Could have had two this year, too, with Will Anderson. Definitely. Um, you know, but yeah, you yeah, can't, can't give them, you know, everyone, obviously. You can't afford Bama guys be listed 
Obviously, it's got to have a variety just to make it interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, now we can start talking about some BC basketball. Uh, they had a big win Let's last go. week over Notre Dame, mm -hmm. um, which was, was probably probably the most electric win at BC I've seen. Uh, most electric wise. basketball game in general probably matched the same energy as Duke. You know, the student section really showed out. Um, you know, I'm you know it's kind of sad, but that was probably the first time for like a legitimate chance during a BC basketball game. Yeah. Um, you know, like defense. That was yeah. probably, you know, the most fun game I've ever been to. Um, you know, having that kind of win against Notre Dame, you know, you had James Carnick was going off. Our boy, uh, one of our roommate's favorite players, uh, Quentin Post was an animal. Um, we really kind of dominated inside. Tamar Langford played well, too. Um, so, you know, that was a great team win, I thought. Um, bringing us to 6-3 and three on the season and 1-0 in the conference. Um, you know, it really showed that the defense we play, we can hang with anyone out there. Um, and I think that's kind of a testament to the way Earl Grant built his teams. Um, you know, a gritty defensive team, all, uh, holding Notre Dame the 57 points. We looked solid on defense all night. Um, we never let our foot off the gas. You know, we're pressing them at um, a lot of the time, which I really liked, too. You know, Holy Cross we were playing a few weeks ago, I remember, and we were up, like, 25 points, and we were pressing them. And, you know, that I think that really shows just the effort that Earl Grant demands from his teams. And, you know, that's a huge 180 from where we were at Jim Christian last year when we were giving up, like, 100 points or something. You know, there was just no... Um, you know, defensive coherence with our team. Um, I thought, you know, we blew a lot of games at the end, too, with defensive and offensive mistakes, too. Like, NC State, that game last year, we kind of threw away at the last second. Um, you know, we had a really tough year last year with, what, two ACC wins? Um, two or three so every year. We're already halfway there. So, um, you know, great start to the Earl Grant era, I thought. Yeah, seven and uh, three on the season, actually, which um, is elite for BC basketball. You're seven and three ever. It's a win. Or six and three, that is. Six and three on the six season. Six and three to the Notre Dame game. Yeah, yeah six and three. Um, so six and three, you know, for BC basketball is basically an ACC championship, uh, just because we're, we never really have a, a positive record. But um, regardless, big win over Notre Dame. Even though Notre Dame is struggling this season, I think they're now three and five and three or three and six. They're not having a great season at all. Having an ACC win obviously is very important, no matter who you play. Um, obviously, Notre Dame isn't as good as they've been in years past, you know, by significant amounts. But hey, a win's a win, and obviously, being at Conti for that big game uh, was electric. Uh, you can just tell the fans were in it and in, in uh, the players as well. I mean, TJ Bickerstaff's had a great last two or three games. I think in that game, mm -hmm. I think he had he 14 good, yeah. points. If I remember, yeah, 14 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Um, that's a transfer guy that came in, obviously, and has been an impact player for BC. Drexel, yeah. Drexel, so another school. He's had uh, no, uh, that plays no Northeastern. issues speeding up to ACC pace. Charleston plays Northeastern, so does Drexel, actually. You know, they're in the uh, CAA with Northeastern. So I've seen a lot of their games. I don't really remember Bickerstaff too well. But I do remember Brevin Galloway from his days when he played at Northeastern. Mm -hmm. um, so we're getting some CAA guys. I don't mm -hmm. know if a Northeastern guy's going to transfer in. but Brevin Galloway, uh, too, is getting uh, meniscus surgery. Tough to see. But he'll be back in January, he said, via Twitter. Um, so, you know, glad to see that he's coming back. Uh, brings a lot of energy. I love him personally. I don't, you know, he's had a tough year shooting for us. But I think just the energy he brings to the team, you know, the way he loves uh, BC Nation, as he calls it. Um, you know, he really gets engaged with the fans on social media. Um, taking part in the uh, sickos trend that a lot of BC basketball fans have been calling themselves on Twitter. Um, you know, he's got jokes. He's a really funny guy, and I think, you know, he loves playing for this team now. Um, you know, he just seems like a great guy. Um, so, you know, I'm really glad we have him. Um, tough shooting performance last game against Notre Dame, one for six from three. Uh, and then after the game, he was being asked why he waited to have a meniscus surgery because he was playing up there with a slightly torn meniscus um, the whole season, actually. Um, you can kind of tell he was pretty slow out there, hobbling around a little bit. And his answer was he had to get hard Instagram pictures. That's <laughs> uh, a bad reason. But, I respect it. Yeah, I mean, I saw his pictures that came out after the Notre Dame game. It did look pretty good. 
Um, but obviously wishing the best for his surgery, and we're looking forward to having him back healthy in January. So um, we'll have to see who steps up in this place. We've had a, a couple solid young players this year. Um, Jaden Zachary is definitely my pick for most surprising because I didn't really know much about him, him coming from a junior college before this. Um, but he's really embodied the way that Earl Grant wants to play. He's tough. He gets to the paint. He can shoot. Uh, he moves the ball around well. I think he's been a great fit in this offense and defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, BC has a big game today against St. Louis at 5 o'clock. Um, it's an away game, so we won't have Conti uh, bumping again like we did last game. Um, mm -hmm. St. Louis is actually favored by 8 in this matchup. Um, I've seen some lines with 7, some with 8, so I think the spread's now 8. So uh, mm -hmm. BC's an underdog here. St. Louis has had a good season at 7-3, and three, haven't played too many big opponents. Um, their biggest one probably is... Belmont, Probably. I mean, Belmont's actually a good team. They, you know, mm -hmm. they made the tournament. Two they played times. Memphis too. They lost um, to Memphis by sixteen, which is another number eleven game. in the country. I mean, Belmont, you know, has made the tournament like two times in the last three years. So losing to them by five is a good game. So BC mm -hmm. would be one of their tougher matchups. We had a tough game against Belmont um, a few years ago, but that was under Jim Christian too. We gave up hundred points to them. Yeah, we, we were at that game. I remember in Conti uh, two DePaul, years ago. Yeah, we. DePaul actually beat Louisville. Second half got smoked uh, last night. So oh, okay. DePaul, DePaul basketball, they, they get some players. So I actually saw one of their games um, a couple years ago. Jim Christian era, but um, mm -hmm. DePaul was nasty. So I've actually yeah, they were nice that game. They played a Conti two years ago. Um, they're a good team. I've followed them since a big win, ACC win over uh, over an ACC opponent uh, in Louisville yesterday. So anytime you beat an ACC team, especially coming from a smaller conference, is a win. So mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah, to for see sure. for them. Mm -hmm. Got to see that. I am a little surprised though that uh, St. Louis is favored by eight. You know, you look at some of these wins, and most of their wins are against you know schools you never really heard of. There's Boise State. They beat them by four. They beat uh, Stephen F. Austin by. Uh, 11, who had a little run um, in the tournament a couple years ago. Um, but still, you know, it's pretty surprising the fact that they're favored by 8, because I think we played them two years ago. I can't remember. Um, and we won uh, a close game, I believe. Um, I need to get fact-checked on that. Um, but, you know, looking at the opponents they've played and who we've played, um, we haven't really played any big-time opponents either. We played Utah, URI, Notre Dame, um, all of which, I mean, the Notre Dame, we blew them out. Um, URI and Utah, though, those were close games, I thought. Um, you know, us losing by... You know, single-digit points in each of those. Um, we were right there. We, you know, we could have taken it at the end, but we had tough shooting nights. Um, you know, this team can really hang with anyone. I think a team like St. Louis, that's 7-3, and three, which is a good record, but, um, you know, they don't really have any guys that jump out to you on the stat sheet. Um, one of their starting guards, Gibson ja uh, Jimerson, he's a freshman from Virginia. Um, he's a great shooter. I think we got to watch out for him, but the way we're built defensively, I don't think he should be posed that big of a threat. Um, shooting 48% from the field in the year, though, and 41% from three. Um, you know, he's a solid shooter, scoring 16.5 points per game. Um, so as a freshman, that could be tough going up against a guy like him. Um, but, you know, if you just face guard him all game, um, you know, take away their biggest threat. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully you can take that away. They don't really have any big guys looking at their uh, roster right now that play. Um, the best rebounder of the year um, is their forward, Francis Okoro. He's six foot nine. Um, so we got guys bigger than that, and James Carnick and Quentin Post. Um, you know, Quentin Post being seven feet, and you know he was looking dominant up there against Notre Dame last weekend. Um, so you know, hopefully we can keep everything under wraps and um, you know pull something together. Yeah, for sure. I think it'll be a big game. Obviously, St. Louis has played a lot of smaller schools, similar to BC. BC's biggest win was uh, Notre Dame, really, and then after that, we you know beat Holy Cross and Fairfield, some smaller schools, similar to St. Louis. They haven't really had too many big wins. Um, we beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame isn't even have, having that great of a season, so I guess it's probably comparable matchups um, at the end of the day with who we've beaten, both of us. Um, we've obviously lost to Rhode Island twice, too, so the team has made the tournament before, so mm -hmm. that's the thing. Utah, but, too. That's a solid Pac-12 team. 
Yeah, we lost to Utah, though, right? Yeah, yeah we, we lost by like six. Yeah, I was going to say, nine. I don't think we won that game. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, I think it'll be a good matchup. I think St. Louis is probably favorite since they're the home, home team, seven and three. Neither team has really beat anyone good. Um, so obviously, um, I guess just the betting line in Vegas probably favors St. Louis, maybe because of the home team at the end of the day. But I don't think it should mm-hmm. be seven. It should probably be like three or four points. But Yeah, it's a lot. Um, ESPN's uh, BPI index, basketball power index, too, they're giving St. Louis a 79% chance to win the game, which I think is a lot because that's like. That's probably more than if like the Golden State Warriors are playing the Detroit Pistons. Honestly, that's like it's probably like, like sixty-five. 25 yeah. yeah, it's probably less than seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. But which I think is a lot. I think maybe St. Louis sixty percent if you're really feeling them. Um, but either way, this should really be a close game because both teams are improving. Um, St. Louis isn't really a big name team. We haven't really seen them in the tournament, um, at least in recent memory. Um, so you know, it is a little surprising to me to see them favored by eight points over us. Um, Especially after you know that big win against Notre Dame. I mean, who's not a great ACC team either? They're kind of towards the bottom with us. Um, but you know, a close game against Utah is a solid Pac-12 team, and then URI too has been in the tournament here and there over the last few years. Um, you know, I think the line should be a lot more even. But you know, if I'm giving my bet, I'm going. You know, it's tough to pick college basketball scores. You never know how many points are going to be scored in a game, really. But I'm going to say BC is going to win by seven. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think St. Louis being favored by seven or eight makes me think there's something on St. Louis that no one really knows. But obviously, since I've there's something really we don't know. Them. Is uh, that's the thing. Maybe there's someone. Jimerson, the freshman, is he going to go off? That's I mean, the he's thing. scoring sixteen and a half points a game. Let's see his recent performances. He had twenty-one points against Belmont, shooting sixty percent from three. That's dangerous. There's some that we don't know. Obviously, since we've never really covered St. Louis basketball, I never really followed them. I do follow a lot of small schools, but St. Louis, mm. I do not. So I don't know. I'll, I'll favor BC by a point, I guess. Um, just a sake since it's BC, obviously, and this is BC. Um, FM radio, so I'll have to you know favor them. But there's something about St. Louis that we don't know. That's probably the reason they're favored by seven or eight, um, since that's a heavy line for two small, smaller basketball programs going at it. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Obviously, it'd be a big game for BC if they could win. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, one last game of the semester, two at home. We got uh, Monday night versus Albany, uh, the Great Danes. That should hopefully be a blow. They're one and seven on the season, zero uh, and five on the road. They don't really have anyone that jumps up to you on the stat sheet. Uh, their leading guard, leading scorer, Devondre Perry. Um, he's been all right this year. He's been scoring 11.5 points on 45% shooting. Um, but, you know, this team is definitely, I mean, if, you know, Vegas is betting that we're unproven, this team's got to be less. Uh, losing by Towson, uh, losing hey, to Towson by 21. CAA right there. They got to play uh, Kentucky, uh, got beat by 25. Lost by 20 to Yale. Lost by nearly 30 to Kansas State. 25 to Kentucky um, is actually not bad. That's pretty no, good for 25 to Kentucky is not bad. That's if you're a solid like game. Even, yeah. blowout, Even getting wise, in that game. That's a close game. Scoring 60 points school. against Kentucky is not bad, I will say. Um, I don't think BC would score but, you know, I don't see Kentucky. any other. <laughs> I don't see any way that we lose this game. Um, should be a good crowd for the uh, at Conti Forum, too. You know, Especially after that Notre Dame game. A lot of people, even though it's finals week, are going to want to come out take a little break. Um, cause, you know, that, that last basketball game really was fun. I think a lot of people felt the same way too. Um, you know, freshman game, uh, freshman year, we didn't have any, uh, fan games last year, but you no know, going to the games, really at all, freshman year. No yeah, wins in we didn't have many year. wins at yeah, home in general. Um, uh, but even the games, there just wasn't that much energy at all. The Duke game was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we came close in that one and kind of threw it away at the end. Um, but Notre Dame was probably start to finish the most energy and fun I've ever had at a BC basketball game. Um, which was great, and I think that momentum's going to kind of continue. You know, you saw it with football this year. Um, there was kind of a huge shift in attitude once we started playing better, and you know, there was more hype around our team. Uh, fans were staying the whole games. So it was fine. To, uh, you got to show up early to get a seat in the student section. Um, you know, there's people sitting in the staircases. It was kind of nuts. Um, 
I don't know if BC basketball is ever going to get to that point, but mm, you know, <laughs> you know, you're actually seeing a full student section in that little you know area behind the court. Um, people are bringing signs now, going nuts at that game. You know, chanting everything, defense. Um, you know, that was electric. We know uh, who was it? Makayash and Langford got into a little scrap there. That was he did a lot yeah. of energy in that moment. Forward on Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah, and but any big game, obviously. The coach got um, involved. St. Louis will be a good match, obviously. And, and, and look at Albany's uh, schedule. They play Towson. That's a CIA team, actually. I've seen them play a good amount. Um, they actually have great defense, Towson. I remember they played Northeastern one game. They had like 10 blocks. They were glass and everything, which was nuts. And their coach is actually from Medford, Co- uh, Coach Scary. Shout out, Coach Scary. He's a beast. Um, great coach. Okay. He knows the game very well. Um, and they've always played solid defense. So they held them to 56 points. And Kentucky up 61. So, hey, Coach Gary's doing some, some That's not work. bad, 61 points five against Kentucky, points. I'll say. Yeah, he gave up five less points, one of the best though. teams in the country. Regardless of, five less, so. regardless of Kentucky's Scott, record, they're always – I mean, they're 7-1 this year, first in the SEC. Oh, they're but, I mean, team. even like last year when, you know, they had a tough year and they were below 500 at times, you know, they're still one of the most explosive teams in the country. Um, you know, they're just full of four- and five-star guys, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they get their pick 61. at anyone they want. Most guys, most high school players, if you get a Kentucky offer, you're not going anywhere else. Yeah. Um, BC would not score 61 against Kentucky, I don't think. I really don't. No. So, 61 for all I think we could hold Kentucky to less than 86. If we were playing. I think we could hold probably them like less 75. than 86. Yeah, probably in the 70s. I'm uh, not saying we would win that game. I, no I think we could make it closer, but. Probably like 25 still, but maybe not as many points each way. Five points mm-hmm. each less. Yeah, we'd each have way. a tough time scoring. Um, um, especially because sh- shooting this year has been a little tough. I won't lie. Um, last, uh, Notre Dame we looked good. That was a bit of an anomaly, but um, you know, three point shooting the rest of the way this season. Um, it's been okay. We're, you know, um, but nothing will kind of you know blow your mind. Brevin Galloway. Um, I kind of came with high expectations for him, I won't lie, in terms of his three-point shooting. His energy was more than I thought he'd bring. Um, but, you know, one for six in the last game. And then the opener against Dartmouth was tough, too. Um, what was he shooting? Like, what was it, one for nine? One for seven, I think. Uh, one for seven, yep. Um, two for nine, my bad. Two for nine. Um, one for seven from three, probably. Is that what it uh, was? One for six from three. Oh, um, yeah, he's had a tough year shooting. Um, so maybe it is the meniscus, though. I think that's my hope. Either way, though, he seems like a great guy, and I'm really happy to have him out there. Great leader in the court. Um, very engaging with the fans, too, which I like. Um, and, you know, I think he's the leader of this team, so he's the kind of guy we need. And, I mean, obviously, Earl Grant believes in him. Um, you know, whatever it is he brings, whether it's grit, whether it's energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Earl Grant brought him over from Charleston last year. Um, you know, and actually, Brevin Galloway, he was one of the lead recruiters for a lot of the guys that we got to commit um, for our 2022 recruiting class which is actually one of the better classes in the country. Um, we got two four-star guys coming in next year, uh, DJ Hand, who Brevin Galloway took around on his official visit and hosted him, um, and Prince Oligbe, too, another four-star power forward out of Minnesota. Um, Brevin Galloway hosted him as well. Um, he actually visited during the Missouri game and came to the football game that weekend, which was an electric game um, with the fans rushing the field after the walk-off interception in overtime. Um, you know, he really got to see the energy at this school, and I think he really liked it because he committed right after he picked BC over, you know, a whole variety of offers. Um, his final three was BC, Cal, and Ohio State. Um, so that was really a huge recruiting win for BC. You know, I, I never thought that under a new coach, Earl Grant, that, you know, we'd be getting four-star recruits that picked BC over Cal and Ohio State, especially the way we've looked in recent years. You know, Ohio State being a two-seed in March Madness last year. I was pretty shocked to see that. But I love the direction this program's headed. Yeah, definitely. Um, any big recruit coming in any sport, obviously, is a win. Um, the other day, but having a basketball with the BC, especially since they've struggled in years past, 
for the last five years, having anyone come um, is a big step for the program. I think I think BC, you know, obviously they've played some not many great teams. I think they'll start struggling once again to ACC play. Um, after Albany, they start getting to ACC against Wake Forest and Florida State and UNC. So I think obviously it'll be tougher once you get to ACC games. If we win five or six, it'd probably be a win on the season. But I think this year, obviously having a ton of out-of-conference games that were easier, you know, like Fairfield and Holy Cross, Dartmouth, having them to pad stat your season. Columbia obviously gets um, confidence up. Obviously, mm-hmm. lots of recruits know you have a positive record. But I do think once we get to ACC play, we'll still struggle just because when, I don't yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that's going to be a year, but I think well. we can string together five or six ACC wins, maybe even uh, you know seven, eight, if we really I'd say play six well. Is a win, yeah. Six um, would be great. You know, it is probably the second best conference behind. Uh, it's tough between the Big Ten, SEC, and ACC. SEC, yeah. Um, you know, all are great conferences, but it's usually one of the best, if not tied for the best, um, conferences. You know, you got teams like Duke, UNC, um, Louisville, Florida State, all powerhouses. Um, so going against a lot of those teams this year are going to be real tough. But I think we can hang a lot of those games. Um, that's actually one of my hot takes is, you know, that we're going to have one of those huge wins at home against, you know, a Duke or a UNC who we've got games against. UNC is on New Year's Day, actually. We've been talking about that one a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, week three yeah, or something. Um, but yeah, that should be a big game. Um, but, you know, the way we've played this year, especially the grit we've played with on defense, um, you know, the hustle of this team, the fight they always put in, uh, you can really see there's a huge culture change from the way we've looked the last two years, especially under Jim Christian. Um, so, no, I think it's just bound to happen that we have a good night and we catch a team on an off night. Um, you know, especially a game like Duke, that would be awesome if we can pull off that win second semester. Um, you know, they got so they're so talented and one of the best teams in the country this year. Um, so, you know, I think we can pull off one of those top wins. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying we're going to be great and have consistent wins like that every night. Um, but I'm saying I think that's more likely than not that we pull off one of those big-time wins um, and end up with six or seven ACC wins overall. I think six would be a win on the season, um, just because in years past I was getting two or three, you know, each year having six in a total, a big in you know one year would be obviously a big step uh, for the whole entire program. Um, I do think ACC games. I think obviously we've had a great out conference schedule. Um, I think ACC games we will struggle, as I said, bigger conference, bigger teams, mm-hmm. big recruiting uh, for all those programs. Um, so if we could hang in, win six or seven of the games, that'd be great. And then next year, who knows, uh, keep progressing. But um, six wins for now would be a great starting number for me. We already got one, so. I guess mm-hmm. five more yeah, would go. be my goal. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Obviously, it'd be big for BC, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Notre Dame. I mean, it's not a bad ACC team. It's probably what there's 15 teams in the ACC. I think they're like, like 14. Like, I think they're like 14 on the ACC networks rankings. Like, BC's rankings. like 12, and they always like kind of hover between yeah, like 10 and like 13 generally yeah. in recent years. They've obviously um, struggled. They were better in years past. Like Northeastern played them in the tournament actually mm-hmm. um, in 2015 and. But I mean, then. if we can beat a team like Notre Dame, then that means we can beat a lot of ACC teams. You know, Pitt, NC State. Uh, Virginia Tech, we could give a good game. Um, you know, there's a lot of ACT teams in there that are kind of around our area. Wake Forest, we should give a game. Um, so, you know, I think we could definitely string together five or six, if not seven or eight wins this year. Um, you know, it's not going to be pretty, as Earl Grant said. I mean, that was his one of his pretty opening lines pretty, in his yeah. press conferences. Yeah, but, you know, he's really trying to build something, and, you know, it's not going to be, you know, national title, or conference title, for that matter, on day one. Um, but, you know, you can already see the way he's recruiting, now the energy around this program, um, you know, the way the players look in the court and the way they play their defense, um, you know, have solid fundamentals out there. And, you know, there's actually flow to these games, whereas the last few years, you know, offensively it felt like we had no offense. We just kind of kicked the ball around the perimeter for 30 seconds and then jack up a shot with three seconds left on the shot clock. Um, you know, the defense, too, was a little porous in the last couple of years. Um, you know, we look a lot tougher out there, and I think that's going to help us hang on some of these big-time games. And, you know, as we got higher ranch recruits coming in 
uh, with two four stars coming in next year, and then a couple of other guys who look solid as well, uh, two three stars, um, Chaz Kelly and uh, Armani Mighty. Uh, we should be looking pretty good next year, I think, um, and as we move into the future under Earl Grant. Um, so I'm definitely really excited for that future. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a big test, obviously. Um, ACC games this year, and then you can build off it and have a better season next year with all those big time recruits, um, and also having guys get a year of, um, a, you know, year of playing in the ACC, year of experience, obviously a year of, you know, working out um, with the D1 program. Hopefully, guys can bulk up, get mm-hmm. more rebounds. I know that's what we struggled with in years past. So we'll see how that goes. Um, talking basketball, though, let's get into some Celtics talk. Uh, Thirteen, yeah. fourteen on the season, uh, four and four and six in their last ten. Um, they had a tough loss last night to the Suns. Uh, where we shot four of twenty six from three, um, we were one for sixteen at one point um, until Grant Williams had two threes. He finished two of three from three, so Grant he's only one with a good shooting stat line. I love um, Grant, but you know, you know it's never a good sign when you got Abby Chin talking at the end of the game about how Grant Williams was our player of the game. That was tough. Yeah, yeah, to it's see. tough. I mean, you, when you have a team with Jalen Brown, Dennis Schroeder, and Jalen was out Tatum, last night. Um, but but yeah, I'm just saying, Tatum had a solid game, twenty four points. But Grant um, Williams right now statistically solid. the Celtics' best three point shooter, which isn't a good. Mm, thing. That's never good. Yeah. So. But credit to him, though. He he has improved his three-point shot a lot since his rookie year, I will say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think his shooting probably, in general, his moves. He realizes he probably you got to do more than just court. get rebounds and play defense to be mm-hmm. to stay in the NBA. So Yeah, because a lot of people are calling for him to get traded in the offseason because everyone thought he was kind of a waste of the roster spot. Um, I always stuck with him. I always thought he was a solid piece. Um, SEC player of the year. He too. reminds me of a young Al Horford a little bit. A little bit kind of bulkier and slower out there. Not um, as tall. But, you know, too. a solid rebounder. Um, you know, all right defender, and now he's developing an outside shot too. So, you know, he can hang as a big man on this team. We've already been able to see that. Um, although last night, um, I mean, it kind of goes to everyone uh, and his freedom, uh, Rob Williams, Grant Williams. Um, you know, the interior defense last night was bad. Um, yeah. Just as much of uh, just as much of an issue as the three-point shooting was, the interior defense was an issue too. And that's something that needs to get better moving forward. Um, you know, I really expect more out of that because – that's been a huge issue for us in the last two years. Um, you know, looking back to the bubble in 2020 and then the 2021 season last year, um, you know, we've never really had that absolute like interior monster piece that we need someone just to lock down the paint. Uh, Rob Williams, obviously, has been great, but it does feel like he's pretty inconsistent at times. Um, I mean, obviously, one of the best shot, uh, better shot blockers in the NBA. You know, he'll go off for six blocks some nights, and then you know, some nights the other team will score like a ridiculous number of points in the paint, like the Suns did to us last night. Um, you know, JaVale McGee was eating last night, 21 points, 9 for 16 from the field. Um, you know, he really brought the energy, I thought, out there. Um, you know, he was making plays def- defensively, offensively. Um, they kind of dominated us uh, kind of dominated us last night. Um, and, you know, we were close. Towards the end of the th- uh, first half, we were only down, like, four points. And then they kind of broke it open at the end of the second half, uh, end of the first half, sorry. And then in the second half, it just... Uh, Never really got any better. They only outscored us by three in the second half. Um, but, you know, the end of that second quarter was real bad. We went from being down one at the end of the first quarter, and then all of a sudden we were down 18 at the half. Especially when we are only down, like, four points with four minutes to go in that half. We really That's really where the game changed. Um, you know, the guys, you know, Chris Paul, had uh, he played solid. Even though he only finished at 10 points, he was distributing the ball like he always does. Um, Devin Booker wasn't even playing last night, which is tough because, you know, we lost to the Clippers the night before with uh, without Paul George or Kawhi. Um, so, you know, I got a lot of questions about this team right now, and you know we're losing the teams without their stars. The Suns have been great all year, um, but that's definitely a game I thought we should have won, um, especially because their star uh, player was out. DeAndre Ayton was out as well, 
Yeah, that's um, a tough loss. Mental illness, so. It's all that backups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, honestly, I think the shooting's more of an issue with the Celtics because going into the season, we never thought their defense was going to be unreal anyways. But when you have guys like Jason Tatum, Dennis Schroeder, and Jalen Brown, your three-point shooting should be better than 0 for 14 in the first you know, eight minutes or through the first quarter and eight minutes of the second quarter against that Spurs game you know, in the late November when we lost by eight. I think mm-hmm. we were 0 for 14 from three at one point, something ridiculous. Something we, were like 0 14 from the field. we brought that game all the way back too, just to blow it at the end, which yeah. has been an issue with this team. It's just we hang in games so far, like for so long, and then we just kind of drop it either, whether that be at the end of the game or you know we just get a huge run and never come back. I think the defense, though, I, don't, I never really expect them to be that good, but I know with how much Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are regarded as the best players or two, the best one of the best duos in the NBA for a team shooting four of 26 from three, like we did last night. That's ridiculous. I know Jalen didn't play, but Tatum was out there. Schroeder was out there. you got to be better than that. And then we've also sure. averaged 16.3 turnovers per game over the last three. So I don't think it's just defense. Offense has been struggling. And going 1-4 on the last road trip, it's not going to be any easier with the next two games against the Bucks and the Warriors, two other really great teams. I mean, those are three of the four best teams in the NBA probably, Bucks, Warriors, and then the Suns, obviously. So mm-hmm. we lost the Suns. Yeah, Suns are Booker first place in the West right now. So Yeah, you can't lose to the Suns with, by 21. Without, without Booker or Aiden. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Just, that's awesome. Especially looking at our starting lineup, too. You know, we got five, you know, and at least in my opinion, five good guys out there. You know, there's no weakness in our starting lineup. We got uh, Schroeder, Smart um, in the backcourt. Then we got Tatum, Rob Williams, and Al Horford. Um, I do think it's a little questionable that we have both Al Horford and Rob Williams starting, um, two interior guys. Because, um, you know, Horford hasn't been shooting great this year. Last night he was 0 for 4 from 3, 2 for 8 overall. Um, so I think we should do a better job of rotating them. Because especially when Horford was playing on Philly, him and MB did not work out whatsoever together. Um, you know, we really saw that already. I think Horford or Rob Williams had to be a lone center out there unless one of them can shoot. Um, and we know Rob Williams can't shoot the three. So um, we need more floor spacing out there. Smart had a really tough night too. One for 13 from the field, 0 for 5 from three. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen every night. So, yeah. But even if he did shoot like 6 for 13, 7 for 13, we still would have lost by you know, 8, 12 points. Um, yeah, I don't, think so I don't think it's all coming from you know bad shooting. I think even if we shot a little bit better, we could have made it a five ten point game. But at the end of the day, that interior defense has to fix. We can't be giving up one hundred eleven points, especially when we're getting dominated in the front court by guys like uh, Javale McGee. Yeah, I think honestly, I I know you said you didn't see any weaknesses. I think the Celtics lineup is the biggest weakness. Um, the on starting the lineup. Yes, I do. I mean, no one wants to pass. Tatum and Brown don't want to pass. I know Jalen didn't play last That's night. An, the ball movement. They don't issue. want to pass. Yeah, neither does Schroeder, really. He doesn't want to pass either. He wants to shoot. So does Marcus Smart. That's the issue. When you have four guys that want the ball and want to shoot, it's never going to work. Smart's um, shooting too much, I and think. With 13 they, 14, 13 shots so last game. There's weaknesses on the on every part of the team. I mean, if you're 13-14 when you're coming into the season with teams, you know, with uh, people ranking the Celtics as the fourth, fifth, you know, middle of the Eastern Conference, and having us be, you know, 13-14, 4-6 over our last 10, big disappointment. Um, I do think the starting lineup's the biggest weakness because that's the team. That's the part of the team that plays the most. Mm-hmm. And we lost by 21, and the starting lineup should take the most heat. I know the bench is obviously important. You need to have depth, but they're beating us with guys that are backups on their own bench. So that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And we did have Tatum out there. We did, as you said, that's have tough. Yeah, they didn't really have any stars uh, out there. Their best player last night was probably Jay Crowder, uh, Javale McGee. Ball movement's Those the biggest two. issue. That's another thing. And uh, I love Schroeder, but he wants to shoot. A ton doesn't want to really facilitate. He shot facilitate. a ton last night shooting. Uh, Mark doesn't want to facilitate. What did Schroeder shoot last night? 15 shots? None Actually, of them Actually, him, Tatum. So Tatum shot 25 shots, which is a lot. Oh, he shoots 25 every night, though. That's another problem I have with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the best player on our team, so I'm not mad that he's shooting that much. But Tom um, shoots one for seven from three, I expect a little bit better for you know a star player. Because he has a lot of inconsistent nights. 
Yeah, um, Tatum. Tatum's at no, the top there's nights. no real middle ground for him, which is my thing. I mean, I love him. He's my favorite player on the team. Um, but, you know, every night it feels like he's either on or off, and there's no in between. Um, so him shooting every 25 shots, other, yeah. Smart shooting 13 shots, and then Schroeder shooting 15 shots. Um, and we only shot 93 shots overall as a team, which wasn't bad. But adding those together, they combined for 50 – those three players combined for 50, uh, 57% of our total shots in the field. Um, you know, which you can't have if you want to win a basketball game regardless, especially the way Phoenix plays too. They play so well. They move the ball so well. You know, they're a gritty defensive team too. So, you know, iso ball, hero ball isn't going to help us win those games. You know, those three guys combining for 57% of our shots, um, it, that is a little ridiculous. The ball movement has to get better. And I think that comes from the coaching too because last year we had the same issues with Brad Stevens. And that was my – the thing I was most excited about uh, with Ime Udoka coming in was that we'd have a new offensive system. Everything would be fresh. Looks Everyone worse. would kind of sit down and listen to him because it did feel like Brad Stevens kind of lost his voice in the locker room towards the end of last season. Um, you know, with guys just hucking up shots and we were playing iso ball every other possession. Um, but yeah, we really, I don't know if we look worse. Well, honestly, we might, but it definitely doesn't look any better than it did last year. Um, so I, I am disappointed with the way the Celtics are playing this year. We should be a lot better than 13 or 14. Um, and maybe if, you know, if we can't start to win games, maybe it is time to blow it up and, you know, make a trade. Not blow it up it yet, but I think make a trade um, maybe the best solution because if we can't start figuring ourselves out offensively, um, both moving the ball around and defensively getting uh, solid interior defense, there's going to have to be some trades made because it's not just going to fix itself without changing yeah, anything. Yeah, it's been the same team for the last three or four years, and every year this is the Celtics year, and we've kept the same core because we're afraid to get rid of Jalen or Tatum. I know Ainge was very afraid of doing either. I think the most frustrating thing is how good Jimmy we were Butler, in 2018 when we almost beat the Cavs and went to the Kawhi finals. Leonard, he was afraid to get, uh, get any of those guys. He was afraid to make a move, and that's the issue with the Celtics team. They're never going to get over the hump. Because we keep saying, oh, we have Tatum and Brown, and these guys are, you know, Kobe and this, that. It's just never going to work having those two guys, especially when you've already given them four or five years together. This is their fourth year together. I mean, you've already given them time to try to fix this, and I think we've only regressed. I think it's about time. I don't know if you want to blow it up completely right now because I think the Celtics are afraid, but I do think you got to mm-hmm. make a trade. Yeah, there's Something's still so much change. potential with that team. I think that's the issue is just we saw the way that this team can play before, and we should be better considering that we still have that core of, you know, where we were in the playoffs in 2018 when – you know, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown led us to seven games against the Cavs. And, you know, we were inches away from winning that game. Seeing Terry where we Rozier, were then and then the fact that we've just gotten too. worse. Yeah, Terry Rozier was a big piece in that run. 2018, yeah. Um, but seeing where we were then and now looking at where we are now, you know, it's really tough. And, you know, I still believe that this team can figure it out with, you know, better ball movement interior defense. But I think it just comes from coaching, honestly, at this point. And, you know, players buying in, which we haven't seen yet and. I really think I really think you know I've been talking about this you know for a few weeks at least on the podcast um, that um, ever since the bubble everything kind of changed with the team the way we were playing in February 2020 was probably the best I've ever seen the Celtics play um, you know since the Paul Pierce KG days um, you know we were awesome we beat the Lakers beat the Clippers in double overtime that month um, and then the came back and had a close loss against the Rockets yeah. um, but you know we were hanging with every good team in the NBA. And now we can't even beat the Suns without their best two players. Lost to the Clippers without their best two players. Really that was a close game, too. We kind of blew that at the end against the Clippers. Um, and, like you know, I think players. the biggest thing was when we came into the bubble, just kind of the chemistry of that team just dropped. You could just see in the way that the ball movement changed. No one was really sharing the ball with each other defensively. There was a lot of miscommunications. Um, so, you know, I got to wonder what happened. I read one article that 2019-2020 that, uh, season, actually, before the bubble, um, after the games, um, when the players would all go out and hang out with each other, there'd be three Ubers lined up. You know, the players would just all hop in. 
um, and go out wherever they were going. Um, and then last year, uh, the season after the bubble, leaving the Garden, there would be 13 separate Ubers for every player just going home, going their own way. Um, and I think that says a lot about you know the chemistry of the team and the way they home. play together on the court. Yeah, I really don't think um, you know that chemistry is intact anymore. And I think that's really the biggest reason why we're having so many miscommunications um, and struggles with interior defense and moving the ball around on offense. Um, and if we want to get back to relevancy and getting back towards the top of the East, that's something that has to change. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, Celtics are afraid to make a big move, as I said. We've held on to Tatum and Brown because we don't want to make a move for Kawhi, as I said, or Paul George, or Bradley Beal, stuff that would have put us over the hump over the last few years. We were very afraid to do because we want to keep our two treasured players, which I mean, which I don't mean they're not good. They're both good players, but I don't see this team, these two, ever winning a championship. You look at our box scores, we're 13 and 14 right now. I know Jalen's had injuries, well, but my this issue, team's not going to win. This my issue with that, win. though, is we were so close in 2018. You know, we had that core of Tatum, Smart, Brown, Terry Rozier, um, you know, Horford. Horford is an instrumental leader in that um, instrumental piece of that season, too. Um, you know, that was with our best two players, too. And then coming into 2019, I thought, this is our year. You know, we had that team that, you know, was two shots away because we had an awful shooting night that game seven. Terry Rozier was like one for 12 overall as a team from three. We just couldn't put the ball in the basket. Um, so, I mean, we were that close to being the first team to knock off LeBron James that had in the East since, I think, 2010. That was uh, since he was playing for the Cavs originally. Um, I mean, that was probably the most intense game I've ever watched in my life. I was on the edge of my seat that whole game. I remember it vividly. Um, you know, and then coming out of there, everyone's expectations for these two are so high, and it's just... They're never going to win together. That's never. the issue. I think just something with the chemistry in this team is broken, um, you know, and we can't get back to where we were because we were so good. You know, Jason Tabe, you know, the, he's only 19 and all that and everything. I mean, I think, he, yeah expectations for everyone on that team are so high and it's just everything's kind of falling apart so i've always been a fan of keeping everything together because i've always believed that they can figure it out um but as time goes on and on uh i won't lie i'm starting to believe a little bit more of that you know roster changes need to happen yeah these two guys they're not going to work together and i think honestly the issue is when you're talking about the 2018 team when tatum dunked on lebron uh in game seven of the 2018 east conference finals i think that was the biggest turning point and you know i heard actually this on the radio um, my friend Mike was telling me when he was listening to the radio, I think last week or two weeks ago, that the worst thing that happened to the Celtics was that dunk on LeBron because everyone thought we already won the game. And we were actually down by two after we dunked on him. Then the Cavs were on a 15-5 run. Everyone thought the game was over because we dunked on LeBron. And that's, we're acting like it was a 15-point play. The whole entire momentum changed. Everyone thought, oh, we're not going to – Celtics stopped playing defense. We stopped playing offense. You know, we, we just couldn't shoot. I don't think that was the issue. It was just uh, he got that, I don't have that stats thing, for that game. That was probably the worst shooting performance I've ever seen the Celtics have in my life. Uh, and that's the thing. I think Tatum got very confident in himself after that dunk. I think that's part of the reason this team's still struggling because he thinks he's Kobe. Um, as you see with his one-footed fadeaway step back threes, which I'm not. I, I don't like his. There's a lot of the shot selection that's changed in the last couple of years. Shoot with two I feet. Like, I, I know Jalen Brown. But he's still our best. I think at the end of the day, he's still our best shooter, best shot creator. So I shoots think, thirty shots though. That's another thing. You got to pass the ball. I think Jalen and Tatum both have to be accountable for moving the ball. Neither one. For sure. Pass. I mean, both Neither of them one. take a lot of bad shots. And it starts with them though. I don't even think. But it's if coaching. someone's gonna take them sh- it those kind of shots, it better be Tatum. I mean, Udoka's not out there passing the ball. It's on them to actually execute. Uh, obviously, they get the plays and they get you know the whole system you mm-hmm. know taught to them, but it's on them to make plays. And if you're a team player, like you should be, like Tatum and Jalen should be, especially as being captains. You know, I know they don't name a captain, but these two guys have been on the team just as long as anyone besides Marcus Smart. Having them two be on the court together and not know how to figure things out after being on the same team for four years is just ridiculous. They got to figure things out or just blow it up. I'm on the side of blowing it up. 
I don't think this team's ever going to win. Um, we've kept the same I, I got to say at least. I mean, it's only been, what, 27 games. I got to say a little more before I say blow it up. I'm already fourth um, through the season. But I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get pretty frustrated with this team. I won't lie, because I love the Celtics. You know, they're my favorite team uh, in all of the sports. Um, We're so. exactly third way through the season, though, right now, 27 games in. So change has got to happen at some point. Um, I do think that – I think the issue with the Celtics is Tatum nor Jalen want to pass, as I said. I do think Tatum cares more about his offensive statistics, and he's not as much of a team player as he should be. Um, he wants to definitely not as much as he game. used to be back in 2018. When I think it's because he was young then, it didn't have the everyone saying you're Kobe and you're you know the best player in the league and you're top five player. He wasn't getting that nailed into his ear as a rookie until he obviously went off and had a few big seasons. Now with all that contest, I think it got to his head. I think Kyrie's still part of an issue with this team with how much he split up that locker room. I do think he. I, I think Kyrie is a big head. issue too. The way he got yeah. to Tatum's head for sure. The way Tatum. he tried to mentor Tatum and then you know Tatum came back. I, that shooting. was the worst thing. Because Tatum had a really bad year when. The first year that Kyrie was healthy, that 2018-2019 uh, season, was Ky- when Kyrie was healthy, Tatum had a really bad year. People forget. Um, you know, Tatum played really well as rookie year, and then he he wasn't that good. He regressed from his uh, rookie year, I thought. Um, you know, a lot of people would agree with me on that, too. Um, you know, you got to wonder if that was the Kyrie effect, um, whether that's getting into his head. You could see the way Kyrie would lead the team, too. You know, it definitely wasn't healthy. Um, there was that one game, I forget who we were playing, but Gordon Hayward took a game winner and missed it, and Kyrie was pissed at him visibly on the court, like yelling at him, yeah, he was saying he should have gotten the ball when he was covered, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He would always get mad at guys, he was yelling at guys out in the court. Um, you know, He just brought a lot of drama to the team, too, and then that weird thing when he said he was re-signing and then left. Everyone kind of knew he was, was leaving, because yeah, at the end of that 2019 fast. season, when uh, we were playing the Bucks in the second round. It was like he just gave up out there. You could see game one, we smoked the Bucks. We looked so good out in the court, and I was so amped. And then game two through five, it just wasn't even a game. Yeah. It was He had like the worst performance I've ever seen out of a star point guard in my life. And it wasn't just he had one awful game. It was he had he four straight bad he games in a row. And I think yeah, and he would just walk up the off. court like emotionless. He didn't I, want to play defense. I don't know if any, I wonder what changed between those two games. Tatum last night was walking back on defense multiple times. I think he rubbed off on Tatum. Tatum definitely got all the you know confidence from those days of being able to, you know, obviously be a, a star player alongside Kyrie Irving. Obviously, if Kyrie's playing, the Celtics are going to get primetime games. Everyone's going to see Tatum live in action. See him, you know, obviously playing big matchups. I think all of it kind of got to his head, obviously, with having Kyrie mentor him. Um, and then obviously, I think Kyrie had played an impact on the whole entire locker room. I think everyone had an attitude to them after that. You could tell the Celtics mm-hmm. when they're out there, they didn't want to play together. And Terry Rozier wanted that too thing. from the team after Kyrie. And look at, I mean, look at Terry now. He's been great. I think he didn't want to be, obviously, Terry was great, Kyrie especially in that 2018 room. playoff room. Which, uh, I really miss him on the Which, team. Mike Curley actually made a great point. He just texted me. When have you ever seen a highlight play where Tatum and Brown play off each other and share the ball? Never. It's the truth. They Probably 2018. Play they don't play together. And then, uh, one of my other friends, actually, shout out Timmy, uh, my boy from Grafton, uh, said, as good as Danny Ainge was the GM, he was always shy about making a big trade, which is the truth. We were always shy about making, after the Ray Allen, obviously Paul Pierce, and getting... I, I, I might disagree with that, just because I think Danny Ainge, I mean, he didn't make trades often, Butler. but... You could, when, Kyrie, you could have Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard. We could have, but you could have we got Kyrie, and at, at that time, it was impossible that was to the worst thing Kyrie to do, drama. That was the worst thing to but do. But at that time, it was impossible, because we were never one in the East if LeBron and Kyrie were together. Let's be real. That team wasn't going to beat LeBron and Kyrie. And I think pulling Kyrie away from the Cavs, that, that Kyrie, gave us the though. chance. LeBron, LeBron is the reason you know they won the Eastern Conference. Everything he won without him. But that gave us the finals. chance though, because we went to Game Seven with them, and you know we were five points away from winning that game. We were two three pointers away when we shot you know fifteen percent from three or something absurd that night. I mean, you traded we that close to one of the East though, in order to get him. I know Isaiah Thomas had, had his injuries and was never the same player after that. But it's not a good statement to That's make. That's the thing that we we fleeced the Cavs. Player, you know, saying oh I'll trade you. Obviously you got Kyrie and. 
that ruined the entire team. I still think he's an issue on this team. I still see him as a big reason why the Celtics will never get over the hump. And I, that's why I think Tatum and Brown, you have to split one of them mm-hmm. up. I'll favor Tatum being traded just because you probably get more from him. I also don't see him as a team player at all. Um, he just wants his 25 shots a game. That's his issue. And then, obviously, Jalen and his injuries. That's I actually tough. think we could get just as much for Jalen. And I think in terms of who's more essential to this team, I think we need Tatum more just because of the shots he can create. I think Jalen Brown, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's one of my favorite players in the league, second uh, you know, second best player in the Celtics. He can play the way he is because there's a guy like Tatum that teams have to figure out and double, um, you know, focus on the most in games. I think if Jalen Brown is that, and we see that when uh, Tatum's out too, uh, when Tatum had COVID last year, you can kind of see it. Um, you know, when Jalen Brown is the lone star guy out there, you know, he's not putting up 25 points a game like he can when, you know, he's out there with Jason Tatum. They can't I think it's just different in terms of shot creation um, just because of the way the defense has to worry about Tatum because, you know, um, I mean, both of them are great players and, you know, can have shooting fits where they score 30 points in one night, um, you know, on like 50% shooting, uh, which we really haven't seen much of this year, uh, which is a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, in recent years, we've seen that, and that's why I think Tatum's a bit more of an essential piece, and I'd rather trade Jalen Brown, because, and Jalen Brown, he also has more value as a two-way player, I think, too, which Tatum is a play I love. Um, doesn't want to. Um, you know, I think we can get great value for Jalen Brown, and I don't think, I mean, at this point still, I don't think I'd want to trade away Jalen Brown. I still need to see more. I need. I still need more confirmation that this can't work out before I would say blow it up. I mean, this is now four um, years with them, and we're third way through. But if Brad Stevens said he was going to come out and make a big trade and trade one of our big time players, I would rather it be Jalen Brown. I'd rather it be Tatum, and I'll tell you why. I think everyone sees Tatum as a top five, top ten player in the NBA, um, which you probably you obviously get more for him. Than I think you get Jalen, especially if people see him as that. I don't know if I see him as a top ten. I think he's right outside of it. Um, but I think you could probably get more from him. As, Do you have Jalen Brown above him? No. Right. I don't think Jalen Brown's yeah. you know as talented. I think he's a very good player. I'd rather keep Jalen Brown. I think Tatum, obviously, is a better scorer. Who would I rather on my team? Jalen Brown. Um, so I, I think, obviously, scoring is a big thing with rankings. Like people rank I wouldn't, the top 10 I wouldn't, the scoring. Here's abilities. my thing. I wouldn't mind keeping Jalen Brown if we could get like a same-level scorer in return for Tatum and just trying someone else. But if know, we I, didn't get like a prime, we need a primary scorer on this team, and Jalen Brown can't be that guy. Here's the thing. Think. So Tatum was always compared to Kobe. Kobe won. Kobe won. He was always a winner. His teams are always. Kobe winning. also won the Shaq. Here's the thing. The first though. couple of years. Did Tatum not play with Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown? He's always he's playing with good Ky- players. Kyrie well. was different. He's playing with good players though. Is the point? He can't win. That's the thing. I don't think Jalen. You know, we were close without Kyrie. Really Kyrie made win, it worse. Neither one. I'm not a fan of what Kyrie did to the team at all. I think Kyrie made us worse. Definitely, but Honestly. I think Jalen's more of a team player than Tatum is. And if you want to win a championship, it's not just. But I wouldn't say Jalen's the same level as like a you know like a Robin to your Batman as Shaq is to Kobe. You know, it's not. But here's the thing, though. If he, this kid, if Shaq and Kobe Tatum were two top five like players Kobe, in the NBA. If this kid was just like Kobe, he could win. By I'm, I'm not saying Tatum's as good as Kobe. Kobe, always, Kobe was always a top five player though. in the NBA when People he always compare him to Kobe. Though. You but know Tatum's that. not top five in the NBA. I, I would put Tatum a lower top ten. His Instagram before. I wouldn't throw Tatum. Top five. Well, I mean, Kobe was Tatum's inspiration, so that's why he loves Kobe so much. And I do see the comparisons I'll put him at 15. there. I'll put Tatum at fifteen. Fifteen. All right, go, go. I'll put him at fifteen. Get, get the uh, fourteen guys. I'll up. put him at fifteen. Um, basing it off of who I want on my team, he's probably. I probably won't even want him at fifteen, actually. If but I was drafting, wise, I'll put him at fifteen. If I was, he's if there was a redraft in all of the NBA and you were picking for the future and the, today and the future, I think the top pick should go in no particular order. These are my top five: Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Giannis. Jokic, Embiid. Uh, is there anyone else I'm missing? Luca, Luca's up there in the top six, um, and Tatum's up in that group there with them too. I I would pick those six guys ahead of Tatum probably, and that's it. 
There's a reason this team isn't winning, though. It's I, I think it's both Tatum and Brown are both playing a role. In the but I mean, look at the stats for this team on the season. Um, you know, especially the last minute against the Suns, Tatum ten for twenty five. Five turnovers. But you also got guys like five turnovers a game. But he also three. he has the ball. He creates the offense. He has the ball the whole time. I'm not saying five four four turnovers actually. It's not good. Four six and five in his last three though. He's um, got five turnovers per game. His last three four last game six the game. I'm four, not saying four, it's four good, that. but he has his ball in the hands probably. 40% of our offensive possessions. I think Maybe you think it's too much. Um, I think he's going to turn down his shots a little bit and um, kind of settle back into the way he was shooting at like that 2020 season when he was probably shooting closer to like 18, 20 shots a game. Um, you know, he wasn't doing some of these crazy ISO plays, which I'm not a fan of. Um, I won't pretend to be. Um, but he's still, the way he creates his shots is something we need on the team. And it's, he gives us kind of an offensive outlet for when we don't know what to do. He's the backup plan. It's, okay, give the ball to Jason Tatum and let him I run. think it's the main plan because he shoots more than anyone. I think it's just give the ball to Tatum and see what he can do with the fadeaway. Well, the idea is always moving the ball around and finding a guy inside, but, you know, getting an open look. But if you can't do that, you know, he's your security blanket. And I think without that out there, you know, we're going to get smoked in some games. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's on both players. Obviously, they make more happen, especially with how highly regarded both of them are in the NBA. Um, from fans, from I fans do think the attitude has changed with them. Which I think, I think Tatum's attitude changed after that bump into LeBron. I really do. That I when I heard that on the radio, I, I actually agree with the guy that said it. That that was one of the worst things to happen because all that confidence went to his head. Clearly, the locker room was lost after Kyrie's but days. But the thing is, after that, he's not um, Kobe, so I don't bump against think LeBron he, too. Look at the twenty twenty season. He, he was elite that year. I thought he was probably a top fifteen player in the NBA that year. Um, not, you know, he was developing as one of the fastest rising stars in the NBA. And he's topped off um, though now, though. This team's not going to win. That's the mm-hmm. problem. This but you saw the way he win. played and the team kind of played together that 2020 season, especially after, you know, the 2018 season um, going to game seven against LeBron. Even after that, I think the confidence got to his head, but something changed with the attitude within the whole team. And I think um, people stopped playing together and then it just kind of led to, um, you know, this ISO hero ball all the time. And I think that was the biggest shift. Something yeah. with the, going to the bubble um, and the team not being together for months, um, you know, the bubble really made or break, t- uh, made or break, uh, broke <laughs> teams. Um, my mic is falling down on me. I don't know why. Uh, but okay. yeah, you know, when we went to the bubble, you really saw the way the bubble changed some teams. The Celtics team, and we kind of went downhill, especially as we got to that conference final series against the Heat, uh, losing in six. Uh, my mic is about to crush my laptop. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and then you saw the Heat. Um, you know, they were really a team that really made it in the playoffs uh, that year in the bubble. Um, being a five seed and going to the NBA Finals and bringing the L.A. Lakers with LeBron James to six games. Um, I mean, they weren't that good, and we saw it the year after, too, once we went back into playing in real stadiums and playing in front of fans. Um, you know, I still think they were a fluke. I don't know how we lost that series. It's just everything kind of fell apart with us, and everything was going right for them. Um, and I think it was different for the players, too, because you saw a, young, a lot of young players come out and shine during that bubble season, too. Um, with guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson going off against us. Um, you know, they were huge factors in that series win for them. Um, and, you know, you saw that when you go back to the 2021 season when everything is normal again. Um, you know, especially Tyler Hero fell off a little bit. Um, so that definitely changed the way we played. Um, and I think that bubble kind of changed the course of this team, um, you know, forever. I think there were multiple games that won that series where Tatum had, I think, one shot in overtime. I think it was, uh, not overtime, in that series against the Heat, though. I think there were multiple times in the fourth quarter you only had one shot or two shots, and if you're supposed to be that guy, you could obviously take over in the fourth quarter, like LeBron, like we were highlighting. Guys like that that could take over. Obviously, the Celtics didn't have that. Losing to the Heat, especially when, I mean, Jimmy Butler had a great series. Don't get me wrong, they were a very good team. The Celtics probably should have won that series with how much talent, more talent we had. We should have. Um, and the way we were looking, too, before the bubble, it was just, 
And I mean, we won that series. Who did we play the first round? Was it Philly? No, it was Philly the second round, right? No, it might have Toronto was the second round. Toronto was the first. Philly was the yeah, first. the first round was Philly without Ben Simmons. Um, yeah, we swept them. Then coming to Toronto, though. we were winning three one, and then barely get out of that series in seven games. Um, and then the Heat, we just kind of fell apart offensively. Tatum drove off his knee. Don't forget that. And I think it was game five. Drove the ball off his knee and stole it. Dragic gets it. Goes down. That was tough. But I mean, those plays happen, and at the end of the day, one one play doesn't game. change the whole game. I do um, think he turned you know, the ball a, over. It's a sum of all his parts. And crunch time, which is another issue I have with them. Uh, there were multiple times. In that series against the Heat, he could have. Made he's also made so many big plays for us in crunch time too. I think that you can I mean, overlook why those we made mistakes. Made the NBA Finals then, though, if he's making so many. Because if you give time. anyone in the NBA that many looks in crunch time, then at the end of the day, they're going to make mistakes. No one's perfect. Um, I mean, I even LeBron, LeBron James has kind of fumbled the game. He at can the miss end. a shot, but I've never seen him drill the ball off his knee in, in one of the biggest moments like Tatum does, thirty percent of the time. Three out of ten times. But, I mean, you also see all these clutch time plays that Tatum's made, too. The way he shot, especially that year that we're talking about now, that 2020 season. Had a lot of game winners at the Knicks. Uh, that bucks the first game in the bubble. Um, yeah, I mean, you always see him, you know, making big-time shots for us in big-time moments. Um, you know, and he was really a reason. I don't really think anyone else on the team could be hitting those um, crunch-time shots at the rate he, he had been. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't blame that all on him, you know, dribbling the ball off his knee or whatever at the end of that game five. That was frustrating, don't get me wrong, but... One play doesn't change the outcome of a whole game. I mean, I mean, there's so many different ways that game could have gone. We didn't have to put ourselves in that position where you know we had to get a bucket there. Um, you know, we could have played better start to finish defensively. We we're getting cooked by you know Tyler Jay Hero. Too, yeah, Jay Crowder was on that Heat team. Duncan Robinson was cashing in. Um, you know, there was a lot of guys that you know weren't really that great or that special at least outside of the bubble, and then you know they come in there, they were just all stars. It felt like yeah, we, we got we got crushed. Tonight, um, which. Mike Curley's made a good point, though. He was talking and texting me, actually, about however the Celtics lost to the Nets or whatever, and everyone in the Celtics was hugging Kyrie last year. And you shouldn't be hugging Kyrie. I mean, he left you guys. He quit, what was it, game three against the Bucks. He said, I'm done. After his, like, fourth 25 game, he just quit and didn't play. What was that, 20? What, who? Kyrie, when he quit, whatever that playoff series. Was that 2018 against the Bucks? He just quit and didn't play after yeah, that? Yeah, it was game one. We were great. We beat them by 23 lost points game or something. Two. And then game two through five, we just got smoked. And he quit. Remember that? He was like, oh, I'm I don't think. Play. In that series, play. I think we won the. I don't think there was one game that was de- decided by less than twenty points. I think game one was like we won by like twenty five or something. I remember watching that game with my boys. We were all fired up. We we're like, all right, we're going. Like we got this series. Like quit. And then Paul Pierce called the series for us too, and everyone was you know clowning him because he was a tough. His analyst career was tough. He uh, jinxed a lot of games, but you know obviously that wasn't the reason. Kyrie kind of gave up. Should be hugging uh, Kyrie though after losing to him you know last year against the Nets. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not was never a good teammate. Yeah, the, he was just weird too. I mean, the way he was stomping unlucky and then Yeah, he was never a good teammate. Uh, yeah, he kind of he put our team in a worse place than he left it. He really did when you think about it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I, he did leave us worse. I still think he leaves us guys. My friend Timmy, shout out to the goat again. Um, said that maybe Kyrie gave Danny Ainge nightmares. That's why he never made a big move after that. Probably was. I mean, you, you, when you make a big move for a guy like that, mm-hmm. it's hard, obviously. If it doesn't work out, you probably do take a step back. Like, oh, you know, I'm afraid to make another big one. And obviously, I've named four guys that we could have had. You could have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler. You could have had any of them. Bradley Bale. You could have had any it, of those It was guys. tough to predict the Kyrie situation, though, because... I mean, if, if no, you don't nobody knew LeBron, that. Why would you want to play with us? You know what I mean? If you're not, you well, know you're going to go to the NBA Finals with LeBron. You know he could be a you star. At least back the way he was playing in 2017, you knew he could be a star with any team pretty much besides, I mean, if he played with Kevin Durant or LeBron James, pretty much anyone else if he played on his own, he'd be the star of that team, yeah. any other team in the league. I'd rather lose. So I think we knew he'd be the guy and he'd be okay with that. And then the way, the way he can create shots too, he was by far and away the best shot creator in the NBA, probably behind KD. Um, so that was a huge piece for us because... 
not just having him on our team and then taking away, um, taking him away from the Cavs, but just the way it impa- would have impacted it, hypothetically our offense. I still stand by the fact that I think that was one of the best trades ever. Um, the way we just absolutely fleeced them. What do we give up? Oh, Isaiah yeah, I Thomas. Know. I didn't like giving up Isaiah Thomas, finals. but we he was injured. And he's out of the league now. We gave and Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic, and Colin Sexton, who was the number eight pick. So we gave up those three players in that pick that ended up being Sexton. And we give up that pick for that? Oh, my God. But for for, we were for what Kyrie could have been at the time, because the thing is, we could have given that package know. for anyone. I mean, take, at I the time, I was just as pumped with Kyrie as I would have been anyone. Because there was concerns over Paul George's health, concerns over Jimmy Butler's health. Um, Kawhi was healthy. Kawhi. He just didn't want to play. No, 2018 was after Kawhi's first injury when he didn't really want to he play. He just sat and out that, that whole season. Everyone was confused about that. So He sat out that whole season. Because Toronto really had to take a bet on Kawhi. And, I mean, it ended up working out, but at the time it was, you know, questionable. I think that was um, the worst trade. I mean, you trade Isaiah Thomas who averaged 28.9 per game. I know he had the, the hip injury. But he had the hip injury. And I know The, the Celtics that. knew he was never going to be But you're trading the heart and soul of your team for a guy that if you don't want to play with LeBron, clearly he's not, you know, if you don't want to play with but LeBron, he wasn't he's an issue. after that injury, he wasn't going to be the heart and soul of the team again. He was the heart and soul because. I never knew that. Oh my god! Yeah, we give, we we give up that number eight pick. That was the worst. Okay, trade but done. when you look at that team, we but you got to look at it. You can't look at the trade from the perspective that Kyrie worked out and uh, didn't work out I'm and kind of messed soul. up our whole, I was you know, the whole attitude trade. of our team. I was mad about trading Isaiah Thomas for the get go because how much I loved him, how much he meant to the city. He was on the. I loved like, Isaiah Thomas more than David anyone. But... meant to the city uh, to a certain extent. How much okay, fight he I, showed? Not that much. I mean, he his sister died. He hit his mouth off the court and he had a hip injury and played that. That one year was awesome. Kyrie just quit, and this guy was playing out there. But nobody knew that about Kyrie at the a time. A chip tooth off his off the floor still stayed in the game, and then also his sister dying flew across the country at a funeral and came back to play. Kyrie didn't want to play in general because he shot four of twenty four and just said, "Oh, I, I'm not going to show up." I'm not saying I don't love it, and he really gave everything for the city and his team. But he that hip that injury, that that hip injury, as much as I hate to say it, because I love the guy, that was the end of his career, really, as we know. It. I'd rather lose. He was never the same when he came back. And I'd rather Danny lose knew that. with the right guys then try to almost win and not win like we did with Kyrie with the wrong guys because Kyrie was not the right guy to have on that team. Okay, but in 2018, nobody knew that Kyrie wasn't the right guy for the team. That's my, like, I... LeBron must have. In hindsight, I'm not happy. LeBron wasn't okay with it either. We all knew that LeBron was tight that Kyrie wanted to leave. LeBron's ultimately the GM, though, Because LeBron knew that he needed Kyrie to win. Because he wanted to trade him, he was gone. In 2018, when you saw LeBron and Kyrie, uh, LeBron without Kyrie, that Cavs team was nowhere near what they were in 2017. They had no shots. He is the GM of that team, realistically. But if Kyrie says he's sitting out until he's traded, there's nothing you can do. But Sean gets some pieces in return. If Kyrie wanted to sit, I get that. But if he wanted Isaiah Thomas on his team, even if he was hurt, he knew he was hurt. He got there. They also got a lot in that trade. They got Colin Sexton, too. I mean, oh my God, they fleeced us. But. Okay, he, I don't know about Fleece as for Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton would be one of the best he's, players on the Celtics, dude. He would he'd be our point guard right now, which we don't have a point guard. He's good, but the thing is, you're still looking at this trade from the perspective of today. In 2018, Kyrie was still one from of the, 2018, a I top three point it. guard in the NBA. I was mad about from the get-go. Mike Curley was as well. We well I, I can see you being mad about trading that team, but getting Kyrie in return, that was one of the one of the best players available on the market. That was, at the time, the best player I mean, available that we could have say what you want. The reason we're never going to win, though, is because of that trade. Well, I'm saying that, but you're also arguing from... Today's standpoint that Kyrie didn't work out. Everyone, everyone and their mothers knows that the Kyrie trade didn't work out, and everyone's mad about it, and everyone wish you know Kyrie would have you know um, gotten his attitude straight, and you know obviously everyone's frustrated with the trade. I am too, but saying that that trade wasn't good at the time is. I, I don't think it was a good trade at the time, truly. I know Isaiah had the hip injury, but... The thing is, where would we be today if we didn't get Kyrie in that trade? I mean, we did top off for that team. We did almost go to the Eastern Conference Finals with that team. We did almost. We almost made it. Uh, we, we did make the Eastern Conference Finals, actually, with Isaiah's team. 
but we were actually close to, to winning just as much. We were but if we had the right piece too, say room. you lost your entire locker room, which that's something. Say no how much talent you bring in, you can't fix. You that. couldn't predict that at the time. That's the thing. Like you're saying, it was a so stupid was move. It was then? a bad move, but it wasn't a stupid move at the time. Why was he traded then? Though is my question. Who, like, it? I know Kyrie. <laughs> if, if if clearly wasn't you know the right piece, why would the Cavs say okay, let's get rid of him? Even if you want to sit out because teams have held guys. Because he wasn't going to play. But teams have held guys that didn't want to sit out. Teams have held guys in the past. Yeah, but LeBron wants to win now, and if Kyrie is not going to play, why would you just have him sitting on your bench when you can get pieces in return? That's the question. Because why would he not want to play? Um, the Cavs had that new GM too, Colby Alvin. We got we released him. Kyrie's not a winner though. If you you Danny Ainge took advantage with, of a young GM. If you're playing with LeBron though, you're going to go to the NBA Finals. If you're in the Eastern Conference during those days, you know who you are, no matter who's on your team. LeBron could take four BC guys, and they would have went to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the Probably, thing. but so Kyrie's if you're going team, up against those new Warriors when the year after they just got Kevin Durant and you got smoked by them four one in the Conference Finals. You want help, and at the time, um, you know Kobe Altman, the, the new GM for the Cavs at the time, he got fleeced. He didn't know what he was doing. Danny Ainge took advantage of him. Um, you know, gave him it, who you know sadly was never going to be the same. Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic in the eight pick. Um, you know, yeah. for Kyrie Irving, one of the most dynamic players in the NBA, you can't be mad about that trade. I don't think at that time. It's honestly nuts. But yeah, LeBron <laughs> was going to the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. No matter who he had out there. So knowing Kyrie didn't want to play with him, that was a question mark for me right away because you know you go in the NBA Finals. Coming to the Celtics, you don't know if you're going to make it. you got to play against LeBron, too. That's another thing you got to you got to remember, too. You know you have to play mm. against LeBron. But if, if you, you got Kyrie out there, that makes a huge difference. I mean, look for at they got, the expectation though. of what Kyrie was. Sexton, Zizic, somehow in the deal. I don't know. I just you know see a thing here from one of my friends sent me it. Uh, it was a three-way trade or whatever, you know, because they, they traded different assets that we traded from. But they got yeah. Zizic, Sexton, Clarkson, Nance, Delavadova, Henson, uh, Clarkson was from. They was, traded. But the, the I forget who it was. Trade, they, they traded, traded someone to the Jazz. They, yeah, they, they traded, traded them like. Yeah, after. I remember it was like January, February of. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. But some of the assets we traded, they traded in order to get him. Is what I'm saying. Is in, in one of those mm. deals. But I don't know. I don't really remember all that. But I do know. But that didn't really work out for the media because that was a weird team for them that year. They had like Dwayne Wade, uh, it who didn't really play for them. Then they made those trades, um, in the winter for guys like Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson. Um, which at the start they worked out great. I remember that first game after the trade deadline, they played the Celtics and we got smoked by like thirty. And I was like, uh oh, it's over with these new pieces. But it didn't really end up working out for the Cavs either. Um, I mean, obviously, if I could go back in time, I wish we could have gotten a different player in return for that trade package. Um, but I mean, at that moment in August twenty seventeen, I don't think there's any way you could say no to that deal. Uh, I wasn't a fan from the get go, but I, you know, I already explained. It. I'm not going to go over it again, but. That was the thing. I felt you traded your heart and soul of your team, and that's something you can't do. I think I honestly do think he was. You did, but if he he's got, like if Ortiz, he's got though, that um, trade value for was to the city, everyone loved it. Uh, at the end of the day, just Danny like Ainge is trying to put his team in the best position to win, and if your go star player player isn't going to be get a team player, then you want to put your best. Because Isaiah Thomas, he was never going to score twenty points again after that injury. As much like I mean, I've said a million times, he's one of my favorite Celtics players ever. You got to go get a team player though. Talent, you can have every single but talent you, player. But you at that time, you're still saying like you doesn't knew, mean you're gonna win. You've just you're still talking like you right knew now. that Kyrie was gonna do that back then, but no one did. No one, absolutely I didn't no one. Everyone in the Marlins loved that trade. I don't know the reason why it wouldn't work out, but I didn't want him from the start. I didn't. I liked Isaiah too much, and I don't care if Isaiah had the injury. As I said, Tatum, Jalen Brown, they played better with Isaiah than than they did with Kyrie. No, that's in hindsight, but they played better as a team. The whole team. Jason Tatum didn't play with Kyrie. Uh, I see. Did he not? Okay, no, Jason, he was, Brown he was after IT. Jalen Brown did. Regardless, also Jalen Brown probably fed off of that. Obviously, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Tatum and Isaiah. Tatum Jaylen, and also, Jalen Brown. Brown's one year with IT was the uh, Jalen Brown scored like six points a game his rookie year. What I'm saying is though, he's playing with a team leader, and obviously having that as a rookie, having a young guy like Jalen. Brown. I still Brown, think Horford is like the locker room leader of that team. I think Isaiah. Team. If you had to name a captain, I think it would have been Isaiah of that team. 
I mean, in terms of like a game captain, but you know, I guess to the locker room, you see guys, you know, talking like the way they talk in the locker room. I wish he played with Isaiah. Maybe that should be a good team right now if he did. Hopefully, but I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. So you know, you could have traded that package for just about anyone, like you said, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't want Kawhi Leonard at that time just because it was so risky at the time. You know, he was holding out from the Spurs, Best defensive player. and he had a weird, he had a, he had a weird knee issue that no one knew what was going on. We had no one, no one that covered though. That's another thing. He wanted to couple LeBron when they played in the NBA. I mean, yeah, playoffs, but know? that's what I said. You know, in hindsight, Kawhi would have locked. You know, he could have played with LeBron. We probably would have won a championship with that team if we had the same team, but with Kawhi instead of Kyrie. Um, but obviously, it was impossible to know that at the time. And you know, Kawhi Leonard, that was such a question mark around a situation. Um, so, you know, if we made that trade, I would have been all right with it, but I wouldn't have been, yeah, that excited just because it's you don't know what you're getting out of Kawhi at the time. Absolutely. Um, so. We'll cap off the NBA talk there, though, but it was, right. it was good, though. It got heated a little bit. Hey, we had to get some arguments. Hey, we've good, been yeah. meaning to do the Tatum and Brown argument for the there's, last There's a lot of arguments month. we've been waiting to have on there. So <laughs> we're, we're happy to get that out, obviously, and hopefully we brought some entertainment to you guys. Uh, we do have some time for some call-ins, so we'll do this now in the middle. If anybody would like to call in, give me a text at 617-596-3150. Um, I'll repeat it again, 617-596-3150. We haven't talked about the NHL yet or the NFL, really, so... If anyone wants to come on talk about either one of those, um, we'd love to talk about either. Mm, yeah, um, baseball too, or anything. I mean, so day, you anything guys you guys want. Um, I know I have some friends, actually, that would probably like to call in, so I'll reach out and see. But what should we talk about until then? Um, um, let's move into some Bruins talk. Absolutely, yeah, let's do um, it. The other night we were playing at Edmonton, had a big win, 3-2. Um, Grizzlick had a big-time goal in the third period, um, You know, which was great to see. Uh, moving us to 13-8 and on the season. Um, hasn't been as great of a season as we would have hoped. Um, but you know, things are coming together. The record is not horrible at the end of the day. Points are points. Um, so, you know, you can't be too frustrated with the team. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that have been steady, um, you know, especially on our first line, which has really kind of carried us the whole way this year. Um, you know, we've been really top heavy. Marsh and Bergeron and, uh, Pasternak have been great all year. Um, you know, as we've expected. Um, but depth has been a huge issue for this team, especially defensively, I think, too. That's another issue is just, um, you know, Charlie McAvoy really needs help out there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because I it's mean, just kind of him. You trade McAvoy, like, maybe for some defensive if you could. But, you know, 13-8-2 right now. Um, the Bruins have been led by, as you said, Bergeron with 20 points, Apostle with 20 points, Moshan's at 25. Um, I know DeBrusque, you know, former first-round pick, requested a trade a few weeks ago. He has two goals in the last five games, so clearly he's still playing and trying. But if someone doesn't want to play for my team, I'm on the side of trading them and getting rid of them. If you don't want to play for me, go then. I mean, if you, if you don't care about... Being a Bruin, being on my team, like if a guy in the mm-hmm. Giants the same yeah. thing, I'm, find a I'm deal. I'm the same way. Him. If someone wants to get out, then just yeah. let them because they're not going to be happy. They're not going to make a positive impact on their teammates. Exactly. And, and, you know, I know my friend Mike Curley, biggest Bruins fan I know, he said he'd rather a defenseman or a center. I'd take either one. Um, you know, right now the Bruins um, are top five in goals against, but only 21st in goals scored per game, which is an issue. So clearly scoring is a big problem with the Bruins' defense as well, like you said. Um, and Tuca right now uh, has been practicing with the Bruins as an emergency backup. Um, but you know, that would be great best. to have him back. Yeah, and, and I think obviously having him in net would be huge. We're, we're fifth against in goal scored right now, so clearly, you know, technically goals, you know, whoever's in net right now, whether it's Swayman, you know, or B. Rask, you know, either way, I don't think it'd make too big of a difference because you know, Rask is going to score us four goals a game. He might hold you to less, but um, obviously, the Bruins have some things to figure out. Um, and if someone doesn't want to play for my team, like I said, like DeBrusk, go trade him. They have a big game tonight, the Bruins mm-hmm. um, against Calgary. the Flames. Um, led by old BC Eagle, actually, Johnny, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, former great. Um, Johnny and Hockey. Then, 
Taylor Hall he's actually been great all year, 29 points in that year. Yeah, he's, he's unreal. Taylor Hall, though, has been struggling of late. Um, he was benched actually during the second period yesterday. He's had solid production. You know, last year he had solid production. Uh, but right now this season, he's only got 13 points, and he's actually the fifth highest salary on the team. And especially if a guy's getting, you know, benched when they're the fifth highest salary on the team in a team like hockey where you're not really paying guys. He's getting $4.5 uh, to not do it, to mm-hmm. not do anything big. That's an issue, yeah. obviously. So, yeah, you don't you know, see that's, that. That's the problem. But obviously, things got to get figured out, and hopefully, we'll see see how it goes. But I know my friend Mike Kerr is the biggest Bruins fan I know, um, and he'd like to call in. So let's, let's get him go. On. Let's get him. Let's on. get him on. Let me get him. Let me text him All right now. Um, yeah, but as we look forward into the season, um, you know, being thirteen and eight is not bad. Calgary coming up tonight. We got a couple tough games coming on. We got uh, Vegas on Tuesday. Um, you know, and then later on in the week we got the Islanders. Uh, you know, they've been struggling this year, so hopefully can capitalize on that. Uh, Montreal and Ottawa should be two good games. Um, so excited to see those. Uh, and then we play the Avalanche at home coming up Thursday, December 23rd. Um, so, you know, a lot of big games coming up for the team. Um, you know, it's going to be a big swing because none of those are going to be easy for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, top to get wins in this league already. So, but yeah, Definitely. you know. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing right now is just trying to get up the standings right now. We're only fifth in the Atlanta division, um, which isn't ideal, but... You know, it's still early on in the season, so um, you know, hopefully the defense start continues to improve because we've started to look better, at least in my eyes, a little bit over the last couple of games. Um, I mean, we've won three out of our last six, which isn't ideal for our last eight, but um, two are our, our, both of our last losses. Um, last Wednesday night, we lost to Vancouver in a shootout, which is a really close game, and then the night before, or a few nights before, we lost to Tampa Bay in overtime. Um, so these are really close games that we're hanging in. We just need that little edge, um, but you know, if those two games just went a little bit differently. We could just as easily be, uh, you know, having Absolutely. 15 wins right now. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, things always got to go on. your way. Long season, as we've said, we've highlighted, and hopefully things get figured out. Um, so let's get Mike Curley in. I'm going to give him a call right now. Um, could use his insight. Obviously, he cares about the Bruins mm-hmm. more than anyone. Yeah, he's a huge know. Bruins fan. He knows uh, everyone in the NHL. He knows everyone. Those third line guys on the Islanders that uh, our friend Dan's actually a fan of, and Mike knows them all. So Shout out Dan. <laughs> let's call him in. Here we go. Call him right now. Let's get it. Here he is. We got Mike Curley, sports guru from South Boston on. Uh, this kid's a legend. Uh, and he knows every sport, too. So having him call in is a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, Mike. Appreciate it. Oh, oh, what's yeah, going on, Mike? This is great. This is good. I enjoyed the Celtics talk, even though I don't watch. You know? <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, where do you, where do you stand? Some, uh, where do you yeah, st- we need your intake. Yeah, we need your – give us a quick, like, 30-second insight on the Celtics. Whatever we talk about. You can mention anything from Tatum and Kyrie to Jalen Brown to where we stand right now to the 80s. It's, it's, it's supposed to be for entertainment's sake, and I haven't really watched. I haven't watched the Celtics since uh, Isaiah Thomas got traded. <laughs> You've watched some games. With Terry. Um, but after that little run, I mean, they've just never – they they can't win. They just don't win. Mm-hmm. They're not that fun to watch. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, that uh, they haven't been that fun to watch. Um you know, especially just offensively. Now you see Tatum with a couple highlight plays per game now, but that's really it. There's no, nothing really exciting to see on offense, at least. I mean, Allen Iverson on the uh, the Sixers used to have highlights too, but he actually took his team to the finals. Hasn't happened for the Celts. No. Yeah, I got 2018 was close, but yeah, we played a lot more team ball back then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the problem. Let's have some talk about the Bruins, though. You oh, know, yeah. Like... Well, everybody knows the Celtics pay pay rent to the Bruins, anyways. Um, <laughs> you beast. But um, I heard you guys mention Hall. Um, yes, Taylor Hall. Yeah. Biggest disappointment on the team. Really, thirteen yeah. points. I know biggest it's not great, but you guys have more. Six million bucks a year. 
Yeah, four and a half base salary is a lot. Playing against non-checking lines, and he does the same move every time. Tries to fly up the boards. He gets squeezed off by third pair defensemen. The guy's just—he's too predictable. He's got talent, but it doesn't show. He's—he's he's doing the same thing every time. It looks like we just called him up from the Maine Mariners or something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, he has had a tough year. Um, especially, I mean. Last year, too, the expectations I had for him, at least, you know, towards the end of the year and going into the playoffs, is that he was going to be just as big of a goal scorer as Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Has the talent to be, but, you know. Um, you know yeah, just he's supposed be. to be. But, he's got the I talent. Mean, his production, uh, I think you guys, you know, we might be able to get some input from uh, a fellow BC alumni in New Jersey. Easy E, get him on, kid. Where's he at? I'll add him to the call. Big, big dispute about Taylor Hall. People always say he was MVP. He didn't deserve it that year. Should have been Claude Giroux. Punched his team into the playoffs, scored a hat-trick the last game of the year. Um, Taylor Hall got his team in, but most of his production was on the power play. He can't even, make, he can't even crack the lineup for the Bruins. He's on the second power play. You know, he, he scored mm-hmm. a point last game, but he was benched. He played fourth-line minutes. You got Jake DeBrusque, who doesn't want to be on the team, still played like five more minutes than him. It's nonsense. Yeah, that's nuts. Goal. Especially how much we're paying him, too, is... Yeah, it's nonsense. We can just use that. I mean, that money would be so much more well-spent on a defenseman or something... That's what we really needed most right now. Four years, six million a year. Nobody wants to pay him that much. He does this to every team he's on. It's kind of sad. I mean, true. He had two goals for Buffalo before he came to the Bees. He's got a couple for us, though. Right? He has solid he production. T- Who, Taylor Hall? Yeah, didn't he have some solid production toward the end of last season? Yeah, I mean, David Krejci scored a few goals on his stick. Missing him, yeah. Maybe you can get me out there. I'll tap a couple in. <laughs> get Easy E. Should I call it Easy E right now? I'll get him on. We could get him on, yeah. I'll answer the call. Bruins. Hold on. Got young guys crack the lineup with a high calorie, high cap uh, league. The salary cap is you missed what you said there, real quick. It. It's not like a luxury tax. Oh, yeah, the hard cap. Yeah, it's not like mm-hmm. the MLB where you can do that. The NBA one works, but you can get like max slots or whatever. NFL, you know, it's you can mess around with the money, but in the NHL, once a guy signed, it's either you buy him out or you, you know, trade his salary in a dump. Yeah, like we had to do with Bacchus. Um, we mm-hmm. had to trade a first round pick in that one. That's true. Yeah, I was going to get Easy E in on this, but um, and then I'm not working out. We, we missed what you said at the beginning of what you were just saying about the high salary cap, but I think we get it that uh, obviously the NHL is a high salary cap, unlike the MLB, where you can just sign guys to any deal you want to go over the luxury tax. So there's no problem. Yeah, so if you're paying, you're paying a guy like Hall, he's making $6 million, you know, seven says 7.4% of the cap. Yeah, it's so nuts. He's supposed to be That's a lot, especially when you got that much money. And it's a lot. He's, he's not, and he's getting the perfect opportunity. He plays on the second line, doesn't have to be the top guy. You know, he's supposed to produce against middling, you know, second-tier players. This guy was a first overall pick, and he just, he can't do it. And he's got the best left wing in the league practicing with him every day. You know, you'd think he'd be able to pick a, mm-hmm. pick yeah. a lesson or two up from Brad Monshaw, who's played just as long in this mm-hmm. league as him. But yeah, him playing on the second line, too. He's way more playoff production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be the guy out there, especially on the second line, you know, going up against... Uh, Lower line guys for other teams too. You expect a lot more production because he's really the guy out there with uh, Charlie Coyle and I forget who's the right wing. Um, remind me, it's, it's Mike, been a, Michael. It's a match. They got um, Craig Smith sometimes. Uh, Felino Hollis oh, played yeah. a little bit. Felino used to be nice. Felino used to be good. Wasn't he, he like an All Star captain like Craig Smith five years right. ago? He was an All Star captain years ago. Yeah, on Columbus. Yeah, I remember um, that. He, yeah, I mean he's more of a locker room guy. He's he, Ideally, you know, third line wing or something. Big, tough, goes to the front of the net, but he's not really out there to make plays, you know. Yeah, I get that. Which is an issue. I get that. He's he's kind of the the younger David Backus. That day wouldn't Mm -hmm. work out, huh? 
No, it didn't. But luckily, you know, Baggers was making six million. What's uh, Felino only makes, you know, a little under four. So it's not terrible for a guy who's a veteran. Yeah, it's not bad. I think it is concerning, though, just looking at the stats right now for the Bruins, that McAvoy's got more points than Taylor Hall right now. Um, Extremely. I mean, McAvoy's on the top power play. He plays about 30 minutes a night almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, McAvoy's incredible, but for a guy like Taylor Hall, I'd expect to see him right up there with uh, our top line in terms of points. The biggest issue with McAvoy is that he's not, he doesn't have a great shot. Like, ever since Tori Krug left, we don't have that big clap bomb from the point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting a little better, but he's not hes not putting it past the goalie very much. I mean, so the fact that McAvoy's outscored Hall, and Hall's, you know, out there supposed to be shooting, he doesn't shoot, uh, which is terrible, because he gets mm-hmm. squeezed off before the puck actually gets into an area where you can take a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Taylor Hall's only got five goals in the year, and Charlie Coyle's got seven, DeBrusque's got five, too, so that's definitely yeah, not a welcome so Coyle is where he's supposed to be in terms of team scoring. You know, he's not mm-hmm. as consistent as you'd like him to be, but this year he's actually he's done the job. He's not going to be David Krejci. Yeah, he's done good. That skill set, but... Mm-hmm. I think he should be a third Coyle's liner, ideally. Coyle. I mean, Coyle is a good puck possession guy. He plays all situations. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be... If he was a third line center, I think it'd be incredible. I think he's solid for a second line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if we had him where he was last year... I mean, and he was producing like this, that would be incredible. I have to agree. I think he should be the third line center. I think we got to get, if we can get a number two center in some way, that's that would help the team the most. Because right now, the Bruins are actually the sixth best, sixth best in the league in goals against. You only allow like two and a half goals a game. Yeah, he's been playing, oh, yeah. He's playing, playing solid, Swayman. Yeah, Swayman's been good, but I guess apparently the team defense is solid. But in terms of goals four per game, Bruins only scored 2.7. Well, yeah, twenty-one. First in the league. Yeah, I mean, the teams we're next to are the Dallas Stars, the Red Wings, the Kraken. Score more goals per game. It's time oh, to geez. get your boy. Score more goals per game. It's time to get your boy Trevor Kuntar up after that game with a goal last night. That shootout oh, yeah, over BU, big night. game for BC yeah, hockey. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty pumped to see that good little game. I know you follow your mm-hmm. college hockey a ton too, so of course. Yeah, you, that was you, a big you, win you last had a big night. Goal last night, especially yeah, starting down two zip. Some, uh, some throwback unis. Yeah, the old ones. Those are fresh. Yeah. 100-year unis. But, yeah, so the Bruins, I mean, like you said, goal scoring is a big issue. But, I mean, you have one of the best top lines in the NHL. That that top three is, you know, if not the best, number two. So, got to figure it out, obviously, get some more goals. But it can't be just them three, obviously. It's, it's got to be second and third line, got to score. Um, since you obviously know them three are going to mm-hmm. put up points, um, it also comes with depth because you can't have the first line out there every play. was actually playing well, but the line needed something. I wouldn't mind Pasta playing with them mm-hmm. if, if Hall was actually, you know, playing well but just needed someone there to finish plays off yeah but the issue is you can't reward a guy for putting in no effort yeah You're doing the same thing every time I mean, mm-hmm. he's clearly not taking the, the film the coaching well so probably thinks he's just better reward him by putting pasta down there and then pasta can't get the puck because hall just keeps getting squeezed off and it's just an easy clear every time yeah, yeah makes it harder on everyone else i just checked it too um our first line forwards they're accounting for 42 percent of our goals right now which mm-hmm. i mean you got four lines out there that's you can't be having that if you know, especially as you know the season moves on. We look towards the playoffs. Things that you have to figured out. If, you're right. I mean, if we even get in the playoffs at this rate, huh? they should be making forty-two percent of the cap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No more Taylor Hall making all that money, huh? Seriously. Yeah, he's I mean, not making that clear. Makes six point one two million. Bergeron makes what? Twice as many points. Why does he have twice as many points? I know. That's nuts. What does Bergeron make though? I mean, he's not making. Like... Bergeron's six point eight seven. And Hall's still usually, like comparable, right? His salary is the high watermark, but. You yeah. already know McAvoy signed for 9.5 next year. Yeah, uh-huh. big deal. Uh, 
He's worth it. I mean, yeah, he is. I, I think can't afford to let him go. It's Sweeney's only good draft pick besides Swayman. Yeah, true. Yeah. How do you we, feel we about uh, out there. How do you feel about DeBrusque? I mean, I think DeBrusque is just a poor man's Taylor Hall, or maybe Hall's a poor man's uh, DeBrusque. DeBrusque. He makes Either way, money, but yeah, money that's an issue. They play the same type of game. I mean, they have skill, they have speed. Supposedly, Hall can shoot, but I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> and they just—they just sort of do the same move. They don't like to get inside. They don't like to take the physical beating. And if they're not scoring, you don't see any effort. It's not like they're, you know, Bergeron on defense. So they're supposed to be providing some offense. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, hey, DeBrus brought a couple of goals. Hopefully that uh, boosts his trade value. Get him, get him gone. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think. I mean, what we and Joey were saying before you hopped on, or I can't remember when it was, but uh, yeah, I think both of us agreed that if a player wants to, I'd rather just yeah, get right them out. Just cause I, don't, I mean, it's yeah, not great for the locker room. The word is that he's wanted a trade um, for a little while now, and the team was aware of it, and obviously Sweeney, but you know, it must have been DeBrus agent who thought that not enough was being done, so mm-hmm. he put it out there publicly. Yeah, okay, it's tough. Gotta get rid of him then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you do, but. You can't afford to not play somebody, um, and he probably needs to play to keep his, his value up to get a showcase. You know? mm. My fear is that we're going to trade him away, and then it's going to turn. Like the, uh, the Tatum is his second year in the league. He scored 27 goals. You know, Everybody mm-hmm. was hyping him up, but he hasn't even reached, I don't even know if he's reached 20. I don't know. I don't think so. Pace in the shortened season, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm. Yeah, my fear for him is that we're going to trade him away, and then he's just going to turn it back on right to where he was You know, uh, in the second Everybody year. And then... a little, a little boost from a new... Yeah, Gaudet. Gaudet mm-hmm. scored his first game of the Senators, actually. After he was cut, he was waived by the Blackhawks, went to the Senators, and actually scored a goal. Ready? First game was against the Canucks, who had him, obviously, last year and his whole career before he was traded to Chicago this last year. But he scored a goal right away, actually, for the Senators, which was awesome. So, yeah, you do get a boost um, from just a new, new scene. Uh, Anders Bjork was supposed to be better than Hall. I mean, not better than Hall, better than DeBrusque. Yeah. yeah. He was a little bit more touted coming out of college. Um, played for Notre Dame. You've seen a lot of good players, yeah. Obviously, it worked out for the Bruins that year because we didn't we didn't have to give up a first round pick. But it's not like Bjork is suddenly scoring a goal every night, you know. Yeah, you're not wrong. Probably his ceiling is like second line. Probably like a yeah. I don't see any way that he comes into a team. You should be able to replace that. Mm-hmm. but we just haven't done it. Yeah. We've got nobody pushing. Mm-hmm. I like your idea that... All the guys we bring up, they play fourth line. Mm-hmm. I like your idea that we, if we are going to trade DeBrusque anytime soon, that we um, opt for a center, because, um, I mean, looking at their production right now, it's really just Bergeron and Coyle, and then, you know, third and fourth line guys aren't really doing much. Um, yeah. Frederick, so. he's looked okay, but, he, you know, he's, uh, he can't really play him in all situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a first-round pick, but he really profiles as like a third, fourth-line guy, which ugh, that tells you about the drafting, right? If you, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I think he just needs in the second or third or fourth round. Just trade that first-round pick if you don't like anyone there. Get you some drafting skill. That's what you go to the eye test. The eye test, right? Yeah. <laughs> Use it, right? We go to games. You know who's good, who isn't. Yeah, I mean, Sweeney's Sweetie, done okay with the goalies, but look, Vladar is playing on the, the Flames. Doth Vladar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a tough one. <laughs> Doth Vladar, the goat. I've been uh, pretty happy with Swayman. Olmark scares me a little bit when he's in that. Um, yeah, but I think Swayman's been all right. Olmark there, but heavy heavy pay, too, for backup. Swayman, Vladar, and Sanders. 
save that five million for a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Rask comes back, um, I mean, you know that would happen. Afford, if you give up DeBrusk and Omar, those two salaries, that's like eight, nine million almost. They'd be saving a lot. Mm-hmm. You could go could to work. Have, could have been Jack Eichel right there if you really want him. Yeah, that, that can get us an elite defenseman or center right there. Elite player in general, definitely. So hopefully they make some moves. Maybe make you as GM. Hey, the guru. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I highlight you as the guru. Actually, a GM talk though. Uh, Canadians got the guy Jeff Gordon. He drafted Brad Marchand. He traded for Chara. He got Luch. Wow. Got another got a whole squad. Uh oh. Going to the yeah. rival though. How do you feel about that? Going to the top right. It's, it's a little scary. But who knows? They may not like him up there. I don't think he speaks French. <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a question mm-hmm. mark, huh? Hey, I speak French, so you know that. I'm fluent, so they could sign me. Get you up in the front office. Yeah, I'm yeah, fluent. Get you in front of the TV. Right? Five years of actually, maybe might as well. Maybe move the Giants to Montreal. Five and a half years of French. Yeah, probably could. Five and a half years of French, it could use me, I guess, in there. I could talk Never to the players, are. too. Put me in the locker room. The only other thing the Bruins can do is if you trade DeBrusque just for, like, gigs or prospects or something. Um, mm-hmm. save, save the salary cap and then try to buy a guy at the deadline. The problem is you have to make it and be in contention at the deadline to really be buyers, which if you have Bergeron, Marshawn, McAvoy, you should be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see them just trade DeBrusque for you know a prospect or something and then sign Rask with that money because I think that's useless. Like we said, the team does pretty well goals against-wise. I don't think you need... What is Rask going to do? He's not going to make the team score two more goals a game. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I think it would help marginally, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Kansas is yeah, the biggest issue right now is you know, if you putting in goals in the net. Ideally, he gets gets going, and actually, Omar got a really good game against Edmonton. You can argue that he he stole that game for them. True. He had to kill off a bunch of power mm-hmm. plays. True. Um, you got Dryside on McDavid out there. Dryside on the goat. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to see Bergeron hook up for a shorthanded goal against them. So. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you got that at the end of the day, but yeah. uh, that's it. Yeah. So. Uh, Mike, while you're still on, uh, if you're picking your East and West champ and Stanley Cup champ right now, who do you got? East, West, Stanley. Well, the Flames actually out of the West could be. All right. Could be a good team. They'll probably be buying at the deadline too. I think they might be mm-hmm. first in the West. So, I like. I think I like the Flames right okay. now. All right. Out who in the West. East? Um, East. We haven't played everybody, but. I mean, Tampa's obviously got the best decor, big-time goalie. Kucherov, you know, all of them, Stamkos. Yeah, those guys are hurt. Yeah, they got, that's a left they got scoring left I don't right. see them three-peating, though. It's a long run. So I think the East is still still open. Tampa's certainly mm-hmm. probably the best team. Florida Panthers are good. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw the Panthers in. Panthers all right. All right. That would be a good matchup. I respect that. Maybe Spencer Knight will get some minutes out there. Hopefully. Yeah. Over Bobrovsky, uh, yeah. Try to trade Bobrovsky. Oh really? He like 10 million. Yeah, he makes like ten million a year. Oh wow! Um, and they like Knight, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spencer Knight's been great for them. Uh, coming in last year, what did he have? He uh, shut out the Lightning in his. Or shut out someone in the first game, didn't he? Hey, you got. And then he had a shutout. Or he had a great yeah, game he in was the good. playoffs. He won his first playoff game. He was yeah, still taking finals during won, that. Like one goal and then had fifty nine shutout minutes or something. Yeah. Hey, you got you got Easy E. Awesome. Easy E, the goat. Uh, in your argument, he said the he said the Minnesota Wild's number one in the West. Just got the text from the GOAT. Shout out Easy e He just texted. He texted, say, in the Madden GOATs group chat. He did. He did. 
Shout out E, as I said, the kid's the goat. Uh, let me see this. This could be this could be fake news. Go Flyers, righty? He's a big fake news guy. But yeah, so he's he's refuting you there. You gotta you gotta fight back, maybe. Minnesota? I don't know, Calgary, Minnesota. Oh, okay. They got a few more points. That's that's true. Alright, he's right then. Here we go, he's one for one on the day. I guess he's right. Minnesota. Okay. Wow. A surprise. Most exciting player. I mean, we could have got him. Oh, yeah. Late, late, late first round pick. You hit it, yeah. You hit he's it right. He's of that team. Well, he's not quite as good, but he's getting there. Could mm-hmm. be. But yeah, he, he was Flanders right. still a solid pick, though. Oh, I mean, they looked good all year. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, it's true. But, Mike, hey, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate yeah, it. appreciate it, Mike. Uh, it was a pleasure, on. as always. There was some college football takes last week I thought were pretty erroneous. Let's hear, let's hear oh, one. Yeah, give us yeah, a hot bring, take. Bring it up. Gotta, give us a hot take. Clear the air on this. Okay. So, Georgia-Bama, there might have been a little gentleman's bet last week. Um, we did bet. My way. We did. But here's the issue. Bama now, winning that game, they get in, first seed, whatever, but Georgia – that loss is going to motivate them. And they got the Could. best receiver in college football, George Pickett. George Pickett. George Pickens, the GOAT. Yeah, picture. George Pickens. Mm-hmm. He only got the ball, what, two, three times? Had a big catch. Yeah, not many line. targets. Yeah. They'll get him more involved. They got him. He'll be way more involved. That's our boy. And we'll be able to cover him. So if you're looking for explosive offense in a passing game, if Georgia can get the ball to him, I mean, he's, what is he, 6'4", 220. The guy's, yeah. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. He's elite. Their running game was good. Bama couldn't run the ball. They were running the ball by no, the they end couldn't. Of the game. They couldn't really run the ball a year, though. Their, their whole offense has been uh, It's going to be a one-dimensional Bama team versus Georgia, hopefully having a better look at what they need to do mm-hmm. to stop that big, you know, explosive offense. And what's his name? Yeah, Georgia's secondary has got to step up if they want to win that game. That fumble turned around in the red zone. Could have been a different game. Yeah, that was a tough play. Tough call. Mm-hmm. Would have bounced right to him. Georgia's going to stop the deep ball, though, because, I mean, even without Magic, Bama's got, you know, I mean... Their Jameson wide receiver room is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but what do you got uh, in that matchup though? So yeah. you got Bryce Young had like 420 passing yards. I think it's, it's going to be Bama Cincinnati. Bama Georgia again. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that Michigan Georgia game is actually going to be good. Yeah, I'm excited uh, for that one. I think that should be close too. Hey, what about yeah. Brock Bowers though? The goat. He had he had a great touchdown. Trucked a few guys to get to the end zone last week. Oh yeah, okay. he's good. But once you get Pickett's going, he's going to be he's the answer. He's he's that guy that you're going to have to put a lot of. This is Amir White. Mm-hmm. Zamir White's good. Cook, the little running back, he's a beast. Yeah, yeah he's pretty solid. They got what three good running backs on on Georgia. McIntosh too. Yeah, it's just the mm-hmm. yeah, McIntosh there. and Zamir White. White is dynamic. Walk on mm-hmm. guy though. Yeah, I'm not. I'm honestly not that big of a fan of Stetson Bennett. I don't really know what's going on with uh, JT Daniels, yeah, Daniels, but JT Daniels, he's yeah, supposed to have more talent. But yeah, I think they should have him up there. I think he gives them a better chance of hanging with you know a team like Bama in terms of putting points on the board. Um, you know, the way that they looked at the start of the year. And, you know, I think there's a lot more hype around JT Daniels. I didn't even really – I wasn't familiar with uh, Stetson Bennett at all, really, until last week. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't really that impressed. Yeah, he, he played last year too. But I think they, they just go with him because he doesn't make as many mistakes, but he made a few last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had two picks. Um, makes sense. Which, I mean, isn't horrible against that Bama defense. I guess that makes sense. Um, but, uh, Mike, anyways, though, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure having the sports yeah, guru, you, the goat, the goat <laughs> might come on, you know, but uh, thank you. Though. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And thank you for the Bruins Mike. talk too. Appreciate it. Really. You're the man. All right. All right. Have a good one. Take it easy. Peace. All right. That was great. Yeah, that was dope. That, that was, was great having uh, him come Bruins on. Talking. Sports guru. Got to go said. over our uh, 
that's from college football, uh, the CFP last weekend. Yes, last yeah, week. we, we highlighted yeah. some some you know things are some of our predictions, which was good. And then uh, now we uh-huh. have some time. I mean, if anybody else would like to call in, we do have nine minutes. We're going to do some hot takes right now, real quick. But if you'd like to call in the last five minutes, give me a text at six one seven five nine six three one five zero. Just let me know if you'd like to call in, and we'll have you on. So mm-hmm. some hot takes, yeah, let's though. Get to it. Let's hear yeah. it. So we have some successful let's ones. Get them up. Yeah, we, we got a few, few this year. Um, so I have Marcus see. Freeman. Uh, yeah, you got defense coordinator Notre Dame being the head coach. And these are just all after Brian things that we've said just in the playbook too, yeah. just on our uh, exactly, weekly yeah. podcast. So yeah, we got to give some of our highlights. I had that one, uh, and then the last row of the semester. my other one was uh, what was my other hot take that uh, we Pitt winning the ACC yes, champ. Pick. Uh, hey, I will say that before the show, I would, Pitt, Pitt was also my pick, but for the sake of the argument, I would take NC State. They were close. Um, yeah. I mean, if BC gave Wake a game, then NC State um, could have been in that ACC championship game and played against Pitt. So I got two um, hot so takes there that was successful, happened. and you got one too. Um, yeah, so I was saying uh, Oklahoma, uh, after Lincoln Riley left, we were talking about that two weeks ago. I was saying Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator from Clemson, great recruiter, great schematic coach. Um, I mean, that Clemson defense was still elite this year, even though, I mean, their offense really had a tough time with DJ out there. Um, still one of the best defenses in all of college football. Um, we could really see that. And when they played Georgia week one, only holding them to 10 points out there. Um, they looked great. Um, you know, I think he's a great fit for the Oklahoma job, even though it's a little bit of a dumpster fire going on right there with you know tons of players uh, decommitting and entering the transfer portal. That kind of always happens when a big time coach leaves, and you know a lot of uh, recruits are going to USC now. Um, so I mean, he's kind of inheriting a tough situation, but there's still a good core there. Um, I mean, obviously that whole roster is stacked with four and five star guys, and I think he's really the man for the job. I think he's by far the most high profile and best schematic and recruiter. Um, available for that job. Um, so, you know, that was really exciting to see. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of predictions came in right that we were talking about. Uh, week one, I was telling Joey that uh, BC Hockey was going to take down Northeastern 5-3, to three, uh, talk about which that. did happen that first game. Three more games they played. We got to talk about the so. bean pot too. Joey's been talking a lot of trash with That's the bean pot, saying Northeastern's going to win. If you want to get hot takes right um, now, I'll get it. Let's get it. Throw it up right now. One. So, yeah, Joey's been saying Northeastern's getting the bean pot. I'm not been saying for, I know. I know they're going to win, but, yeah, I, um, I have been saying Obviously, that. I'm rolling with BC, my boys. Yeah, so that's his that's his hot take for the bean party. He's got BC winning. I got Northeastern winning. I don't know if that's a hot take saying BC is going to win the bean party. Oh, Northeastern's not a hot take. They're the best team in, in, in out of the four teams. They already beat Harvard. Harvard's ranked twenty. They haven't beat BC. They haven't beat BC. Not even ranked. BC lost to Merrimack. No matter. We still we still beat Northeastern five three. Should have been five two. It was against BC. Two games have won. One of them against. It was one minute away from being five two. It was a dominant win for BC. That one game we've seen. What's it worth though? At the end of the day, Northeastern's got a better record now. So all it takes is one game. Hockey is different too. Pot. Anyone can be anyone. Aiden BC, McDonough, regardless of our our defense has been pretty bad all year, but the way our offense has looked, I mean, our offense is always good. Um, I mean, our first line with guys like Ambrosio, Trevor Kuntar, Mark McLaughlin, um, you know, kind of rotates in and out. Um, you know, we have one of the best scoring offenses in college hockey. Defense has been a um, tough spot this year, and that needs to improve. You know, at the end of the day, the Beanpaws just one game, and anyone has a chance to win it. Um, we saw three. BU. They played. I saw. They gave us a good game last night. That was a fun one to watch. Um, with us winning in a shootout. Northeastern's been good. Harvard's been good this year. Well, these been the best. So the at the end of the day, I'm really excited to see the bean pot. Uh, but it's really anyone's game. It's just who's hot on that given night. Uh, yeah. So I got Northeastern. That's my hot take. Northeastern winning their fourth bean pot in a row, led by guys like Aiden McDonough, 13 goals. He'll probably go to the NHL after this year. The Canucks. Very lucky to have him. One of the best snipers in in, in all of college hockey. Um, Jordan Harris, great defenseman, probably the best in in all of the hockey East. Um, and then Devin Levi, the best goalie in the country. So Northeastern's got the best in a lot of categories. Devin Levi right now, best save percentage in the country. 
and has six shutouts in 18 games, which is which is elite. So not bad. Um, they've had a great season. Um, no Stuff. If we're going BC first, versus North East, East. Did, was he in the BC game? He was there, but at the end of the day, though, he he, he heated up. Now he has six shutouts. Um, BC, if you want to have that win, have that win. We have you know 13 other games. We've won. I'll give you that one. Um, I do have Northeastern winning the bean pot. That's my hot take for that one. And then right. my other hot take. This you is a long term one. But I got Daniel Jones. I know every Giants fan has issues with him. Thinks he's the issue, which I've explained. Go check out our AM segment on Spotify from week six of the playbook from Wednesday night. I don't think Daniel Jones is the issue at all by any means. Um, but I do think with the new GM, because I think Gettleman will be gone, I think the new GM may give Daniel Jones one more year and Giants fans will get their wish. He may be gone. I do think, and Derek Carr is one year after his Raiders deal, and I said this without knowing anything about Jim Plunkett's situation when he left the Patriots in the 70s and went to the Raiders and won two Super Bowls. I got Daniel Jones leaving the Giants. After one more year, which I don't want him to leave, but I think, you know, the new GM may move on. And he'll end up as a Raider. Derek Howe will be gone. He's going to win two Super Bowls in the Raiders. That's my long-term hot wow. take. All right. That's hard for me. Uh, I can see him going somewhere else in two years. I don't know what the Super Bowl is. But regardless, I'll give a couple of my predictions um, this year. Um, right now, my NBA champ is the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Stephen Curry is playing at an elite all-time level. Um, I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's 2016 all over again, the way he's been shooting and carrying his team. Uh, the Warriors, obviously, one of the best teams in the NBA right now, second behind the Phoenix Suns. I just think at the end of the day, what's going to lift them over the Suns um, is that firepower with uh, Steph Curry, and then hopefully Clay Thompson coming back. Um, you know, and you, know, I mean, you've seen the way the two of them play together; it's just unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, so with Steph Curry in there, they're twenty-one and four. Um, you know, had a real close game against the Suns uh, a few weeks ago, and then actually that Friday night, last Friday night. Uh, they beat the Suns at home, 118 is 96. Um, that was a great game for them. Um, I mean, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton were all playing. They looked solid out there. Um, no booker for them that game. Um, but you know that when this core plays together of you know Steph Curry with Draymond Green, um, Otto Porter's been a solid piece on this year actually. I've, I'm a big fan of um, them acquiring him. Yep, James Wiseman has been looking Clay better this year. Yeah, a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Wiggins too. He stepped up his play a little bit this year. I really don't see any team that can hang with them. Even the Brooklyn Nets. I just think, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets have the firepower offensively, but Harden hasn't looked good this year. I haven't thought. I mean, KD is playing at an all-time level still. Um, I think he's still the best player in the NBA. KD, uh, top three at the least, um, up there with Steph and Giannis. Um, Kyrie hasn't been playing, so you know there's a lot of question marks with that team, and I just don't think they're going to be able to uh, figure it out in terms of both like. The, how they play offensively and share the ball, and both how you know they get along together as you know three ball dominant stars, um, and we, we've seen the Warriors the way they move the ball and play together before. So I really don't see anyone stopping them. Um, I mean, if I'm given a final series prediction, I'm gonna go Warriors Nets with the Warriors and five. Ah, Warriors and six. There you go. All right, so we got the NBA Finals. I'm gonna do the Super Bowl real quick. I got the Packers over the Ravens, 34-26. I explained why the other night. I know we only have a minute and. Uh, 45 seconds to go, so I won't explain, but I got them. Packers over the Ravens, mm-hmm. 34-26. I gave mine last week. I gave all my explanations. I got um, actually the uh, the Pats going over the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. That's going to be a close game. I think that can go either way. And then the Pats and the Bucks re-meeting the finals. I just think that's kind of destiny. Tom Brady versus old team. Matt Jones versus Tom Brady. Brady versus Belichick. Um, you know, kind of that whole storyline coming together. And I got, I mean... There's no way I can root against my Pats. I think they're in a position if they keep playing the way they're playing right now to go out and win a Super Bowl. I mean, obviously there's teams like the Chiefs and the Bucks that probably have higher odds, but the Pats are right up there right now. You know, being first in the AFC, 
Um, the way they look right now, the way the defense has been playing, um, you know, we've had close games against like the Bucks. Um, you know, that was, you know, we only lost by two points that game that we were right there. Um, I really think we can beat anyone, and that's why I got the Pats going all the way to the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, I had the Packers over the Bucks, and then the Ravens over the uh, okay. the Chiefs. So the in the, uh, the NFC, I had the Bucks over the Cardinals. I had the I was close for me between the Cardinals and the Packers, um, but I think the way the Cardinals are playing this year too, they're playing at an elite level. Their offense has been so explosive, um, so that's been great. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I guess uh, it's 2.59 now, so we'll start to wrap things up a little bit. Thank you guys so much for uh, coming out and listening. We appreciate all of you. Um, It was really great to be able to, you know, share this time on the FM radio. Um, um, Yeah, you know, getting a little Saturday special um, for our last show of the semester. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening to our AM segments this whole semester, too. It was a pleasure, and having it be an opportunity for us to cap it off with this um, was truly a gift, so thank you so much. Um, mm-hmm. just we'll be back to, next semester, too, We'll definitely sure. be back. Yeah, we'll be running it for sure. Um, probably Wednesday nights again, same time, 7 to 8. Uh, I just want to give a few quick shout-outs. Shout-out to Mike Brennan. Uh, Mike Hurley, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, my boy Steven, uh, my boy Timmy, and, uh, and, and Matt, thank you guys for listening. And then also my boy E also tuning in. And Mark Walsh Music, can't forget him. Go check him out on Spotify, Mark Walsh. Check out Time Zone with Fat Hosey and Reappear, both elite songs and, mm, and in the future of the I music industry. Sure. So please listen to them. And then thank you, my family. Got to thank my family for listening as well. Appreciate you guys listening this whole semester. And shout out the O'Malley's as well. I also just wanted to close by wishing everyone a happy holiday season. I hope everyone um, has a great holiday and, and is able to spend some time with family and friends and hope everyone stays safe and stays well. Um, make sure to check out our Instagram, uh, the playbook with Joey and Zach on Instagram. Um, and also in that bio on our Instagram, uh, we actually have a mailbag to ask questions. So next semester when we come back, we'll be uh, advertising that a ton for people to be able to ask a question if they didn't want to call in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys for listening one more time. Um, you know, we've had a lot of fun with this this semester and it's been a great experience and, uh, we can't wait to talk to you guys again next semester.